Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Hello, hello, creatures and ghouls out there. <laughs> this is Count Danalot, and I have another excellent episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my co-host, Frankenpatton, break down the latest and greatest of professional wrestling news. Frankenpatton! What are you doing? Evil has come to your little town, Dane. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I love Halloween so much. I'm so excited that we get to talk about uh, the good and bad of Halloween and wrestling and um, discuss everything that's going on this week. I've I've had a weird week, man. I was sick Monday and just felt like overall crap and then bounced back and had a decent week after that. Lots of good wrestling been trying to mix in horror films here and there because tis the season to be spooky uh, this morning I, I think i messaged you about it i watched uh, gremlins 2 the new batch which most people i don't think would consider a horror film but <laughs> it, it was on so i was like all right well might as well watch this shit <laughs> so uh that's been my week how about you buddy you watch anything fun same thing as you man horror movies which i've been watching way too much lately um and uh you know just uh wrestling i also watched a little television show uh actually their last episode and we've been kind of talking about it so we might as well go into the last one did you see the new and last episode of the season for wu-tang an american saga i did i'm excited to hear your thoughts on it um i thought the episode was awesome i mean i'm gonna be a little bit uh biased because of the fact that it involved uh, a, a city that i live in and um i loved it i hated it at the end for for rizza uh and i also enjoy that even though i know that this is a very very over exaggerated cinematic version of what happened um some of these events did happen and uh one of them which i found even the video footage uh, was Wu-Tang when they rushed the stage uh, in the ATL and performed Wu-Tang um, or uh, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Um, and also the whole thing with RZA uh, losing a lot of his uh, first original copies due to a pipe bursting in the basement. So uh, definitely set up next season if they want to go in that direction, which I think it will. But uh, overall, good stuff. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, pretty much the same thoughts as you. The uh, yeah, you have to feel bad for Rizzo losing his masters. Um, man, you would think that they that those would also be copied by the label that released. I guess they just distributed the album though, right? For the first album, I'm trying to remember. Even if that's the case, I think that Rizzo, you know, sentimentally would probably still have a lot of. Uh, love for the original copies that he made so that's that's what i'm assuming i don't know yeah 
yeah, no, I agree. It, it was cool. Um, good episode. I don't want to go into it too much in case people haven't seen it, but uh, I think this might be my favorite show at the moment. Maybe that and Heels, but Heels is over as well, so now I have nothing to watch, Dane. I, I don't know. What the fuck am I going to watch that? Uh, what is it? The Rhodes, the Rhodes show with Brandy and Cody? Is that is that all I have left? That's really sad if that's the case. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> Outside of that, I watched the uh, the new episode of Goldberg's. <laughs> had Elvira on it, so that was awesome. Was Bill Goldberg on it? No. No. Oh. <laughs> he has been in the past, though. He's a gym coach on that on that show. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> also, uh, go Bravos. I think that you're a little more excited, obviously, than me, since I've never been a sports fan, unless you are punching or trying to pretend you are punching hard. Um but uh, yeah, man, Atlanta in the World Series. Uh, who's been having the most touchdowns, Chris? Uh, well, last night the Braves win uh, two to zero. It was a very if you don't like watching a pitching battle, then you, this is definitely not the baseball game for you. Uh, the Braves bullpen just kind of ran wholesale, beat wholesale ass. Uh, it's really cool to see Atlanta's truest park. If you're from here and you've been there, it's it's a cool cool ass stadium in general. But seeing that thing packed out and hearing the the chants and and like the fan reaction to just anything happening is kind of otherworldly. Worldly. And if I uh you know had two thousand dollars to spend, I might try to go see that game tonight. But uh, guess what? Those tickets are fucking expensive. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the Braves are up 2-1, so it's a happy day in Atlanta. They play again tonight. It's rainy. Uh, that does not go well for the Astros, necessarily, being in an outdoor stadium with it being as shitty as it has been here for the past two days. I think it was like 50 degrees and kind of sprinkled and rained the entire game last night. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. But yes, let's go Braves. I'm not a massive baseball fan. But uh, I've been watching the Braves since I was a kid, so it's kind of just built into you uh, growing up here in Georgia. Yeah, man. You know, I put this on Facebook, even though obviously I'm not the biggest uh, sports fan with basketball, football, baseball, all of your normal sports, uh, hockey, uh, whatnot. I will say that I am happy that Atlanta gets to go to the World Series. So let's hope for the Braves and uh, maybe. Will it be by the next episode we'll know if they uh, won the World Series? Uh, yeah, I mean, if they win the remaining games at home, they'll win the series before ever heading back to Houston. We'll see if that happens. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything, so I'm not going to put that prediction out there. But, um, yeah, interesting stuff. It's a good time to be in Atlanta. There's uh, bootleg sellers of all World Series merch at every gas station near me. So if you guys need some cheap hats, <laughs> we got you covered. And the uh, outside the perimeter here in Gwinnett County, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's been exciting to watch. It's been fun. Um, I my favorite player for the Braves has been out for since July, which is Ronald Acuna Jr. He's kind of the guy that got me back into baseball. Ronnie, uh, but he's out. But the Braves, uh, it's interesting because they were at the let's just say the midway point of the season. They were below 500. They make a couple of trades. They go on this massive run. They're underdogs in the playoffs. They make it all the way to the World Series. This also includes Atlanta getting stripped of the All-Star game because of, let's say, some voting issues 
here in Atlanta. So if you guys have kept up with that and, and some of the the way some voters were treated in low income areas, the the World Series pulled out, or not the World Series, but the All Star Game pulled out of Atlanta. So it's kind of weird that you know the election happened the way it did in Atlanta, and then the Braves make it to the World Series. <laughs> It's like kind of a so, but you'll, story. you'll you'll take the World Series over the All Star Games. I'm assuming. Oh, I mean, hell yeah, dude! Like, who wouldn't? I think the World Series is a bigger deal than the All Star Game. I mean, that's a lot of income that businesses here in Georgia could have made. So it's kind of a. But now they game. get several, uh, you know, several days worth of business with the World Series. So I guess it works out, you know. Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of crazy. The the Braves are basically channeling their inner Daniel Bryan right now, being the. The underdog that shouldn't be at the show, but here they are. <laughs> so we'll see if they can put down uh, Orton and Batista in the same night and then uh, beat beat Triple H and win that title. That's that's cool. I also heard that uh, Chipper Jones might do a run-in, uh, come out of retirement for one more match. So that's pretty amazing, you know? Just dressed as fucking Sting. <laughs> oh, my God. Chipper dressed as Sting. That's awesome. Uh, well, go Atlanta, go Braves, go Bravos, whatever I got to say. Sorry for uh, anyone out there listening in Houston that happens to be an Astros fan. You guys are going to lose. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go from one positive thing to a pretty negative thing, man. I would say uh, Ring of Honor, they're, uh, they're closing down. Um, and basically, from what it sounds like, Chris, what they want to do going forward is going to be condensed to where they're going to be the size more so instead of like on the, I guess, impact, um, maybe even NXT as of now, like that smaller, you know, middle ground level. They're going to jump down to just doing shows, uh, not a lot of them televised. They're trying to sell their uh, their library um, and be more of like a smaller indie promotion. Uh, someone. I don't remember who reported uh, this, but like said that same size as a PWG or a um, Game Changer Wrestling, a GCW, uh, where they will do some events, but it's going to be completely different. And they are as of January, um, and I don't. I'm pretty sure they're kind of up now to be able to do and make decisions for themselves. I don't think they have to wait until then. But all the contracts that they have, they're going to let their talent go. So. I'm sure some people will stick around, but it sounds like they're going to kind of just take in talent um, and and, and uh, do smaller shows. Like if, if it's like PWG, people come from different places and it's more just like a indie show, like a bigger one. So this sucks. Um, I have to say that I don't want anyone to uh, lose their jobs, obviously. Um, and I think there are some benefits that can come from this, but it just sucks in general that one of the big ones and one of the uh, bigger organizations since the beginning of the 2000s that sculpted a lot of the big names. You know, it was M and OVW, if you think about it. Some of the biggest names came from either Ring of Honor originally or OVW, uh, one going more the direction of WWE, the other one going the direction of Impact uh, and so forth. But... um just uh, just a huge loss for wrestling. The way that they were doing it, toning down outside of like Danhausen and um, and a couple other people, like the silliness that they kind of embraced a bit when the elite was there, if you will. Um, 
you know, uh, they were doing some really cool technical sports stuff. They, they had a, a really cool uh, rise for a women's division. I feel for Chelsea Green, who I know I'm pretty sure she signed there, but she's also doing stuff with Impact in the WA. I don't know what that says for her in the future uh, as far as like a home, but that was going to be her home. Um, they just crowned a new women's champion. The Canellises can never uh, catch a break, my lord, uh, between Maria and Mike. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into the talent, uh, itself, but I would say all this happening just proves that you can be a a huge, you know, broadcasting conglomerate like Sinclair broadcasting and still just for some fucking reason, put no money into your product to the point where it dries up and then you decide to do this. And it seems like a lot of people in the industry because of this are going to be jobless, so, you know, even even to the fact that they're trying to sell uh, the rights to their library just shows you it's more of a business decision than anything else. I mean, Chris, you heard about this. This is definitely the biggest thing in wrestling as of right now. It seems like Ring of Honor is definitely going to be a much smaller product in general. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, we'll probably see a lot of their wrestlers popping up. But we'll go over the roster, you know, after this initial conversation. So what do you think? It's really depressing, man. I've lived through the death of WCW, the death of ECW, and now the death of ring of honor. Um, all of which shows I kind of followed growing up religiously. And while I haven't been the biggest ring of honor fan, as of, let's say the past four or five years, still, still feels bad, man. It's like, I always thought they were going to be a constant, especially when they got Sinclair backing. The fact they never put any money into that company, constantly argued with Delirious about who he could sign, how much money he could spend per each show, uh, handcuffing them on production. I, I really want to hear that interview after this is all said and done, if Delirious ends up not working there anymore. To hear that, I don't want to say shoot interview, but a, a podcast interview where he gets to talk about all of this. Uh, because I feel like that guy's gotten fucked over for a long time. And, uh, I mean, being honestly, like being honest, Ring of Honor hasn't been as strong since maybe right after Jim Cornette left. And then kind of leading up to a, them just bleeding talent to WWE. I mean, that's probably the biggest hindrance that happened to Ring of Honor is that WWE signed up all of their talent. I mean, you're talking about Tyler Black, um, Kevin Steen, uh, El Generico, Sami Zayn. Um, I mean, the, 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 Claudio Casanolia, Cesaro, Chris Hero, like all of these great talented wrestlers that kind of built what ring of honor CM Punk even to some extent built what ring of honor was got ate up by bigger companies. And then ring of honor was never really able to recover um, or build that next, you know, CM Punk or or Tyler black or, or Kevin Steen. I mean, they have guys there that are great, obviously Jay lethal, the Briscoes, uh, Dalton castle, POC, a a lot of really great talent, but it never really caught on the same way. They almost had magic in a bottle when it was geared towards more being that kind of wrestling, which I thought they were trying to do with the Pride Tournament. I thought the company had made a turn in a good direction. And yeah, they still have their silly stuff with Dan Housen or whatever. 
but it did seem like they were gearing more towards a more serious style of wrestling and doing something different than what everyone else is doing, which is more entertainment based. Um, yeah, sad. I guess they're filming through the rest of this month and then the final battle pay-per-view might actually be the final battle pay-per-view. <laughs> we may never see another one of these again. So it would be great if, you know, companies, I, I don't think WWE will do it, but it would be great if like AEW allowed some of their former ring of honor stars to go and be a part of that pay-per-view in, in some shape or form, even if it's a battle Royal or, or something, but it's a uh, sad man. And I feel bad yeah. for everyone with these contracts. Like, if you had a contract that ends this year, it's just up. Now, saying their contracts aren't going to be renewed, they're still going to be paid out for the duration of their contracts, but they're basically just going to write it off, I'm assuming. Yeah, and that's what sucks, is that you have a lot of people that don't have homes anymore. Um, and even if they stick around or hold the championship for the company, it's not a full-time gig. Like I said, it sounds like... It's more like to the level, uh, at least what they're describing it, like a PWG where they take out pretty much anyone and, and bring them on. They don't have an actual signed roster. So this is, it it uh, it definitely sucks. I love your idea, you know, I guess like a, uh, one thing that positive can come from it is the last show. If we can get some, like, you know, a CM Punk, Brian Danielson, a couple people maybe that are impact related. Um, that can come over here and kind of make a, uh, a one last whatever, whether it be maybe a promo from CM Punk or someone involved in a match with the, like who would lo- who would not love uh, Brian Danielson, Jay Lethal to close out the whole entire thing, even past the championship match, just those two guys or something like that. You can make it really special. It just sucks that it's comm- commemorating the company because, like I said, Sinclair would not. Uh, try to at least put some money into the goddamn thing. I know they did to an extent, but not enough. And like you said, uh, I don't think, I think that the hit that they got from WWE after Cornette left and they started kind of not doing well, not, not necessarily financially, but storyline wise, uh, them losing Steen, uh, you know, Cesaro, everyone they grabbed Chris and then come down to, while the elite was there, they kind of got a little bit of a, a push again. And then obviously AEW kind of starting up and a lot of those guys going over there. Uh, I think their last big impression and, and like you, I love what they were doing with the pure tournament, making it more sports based. But their last big event was the one they shared with New Japan in Madison Square Garden. And a lot of people bought those tickets specifically for people that were about to form AEW. And uh it seemed like they kind of slowly started going in the background, even past impact to a lot of, uh, to a big extent. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been a weird road. I mean, if, if you don't get ring of honor backing that pay-per-view, maybe you don't get all elite wrestling to some extent. I mean, maybe you don't lose that talent to AEW, maybe, things are completely up in the air right but the real the real problem losing talent etc you could rebuild the company but if you're 
like a free agent in wrestling and you're looking at places to sign and you look and see what television Ring of Honor has, and it's mostly local area network around the Northeast. They did have a show on Access, I guess, that was there for a while where you could watch it for the internet. Not having a television presence does hurt you, whether people want to say that or not. And I think that is the case with the Ring of Honor to a big extent, which is insane to me because you're owned by a giant conglomeratory <laughs> known as Sinclair. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, a lot of the plans that they had changed when Marty Scroll was coming in as head booker and, and kind of the president, I guess, I don't want to say president, but the CEO of that company taking Jim Cornette's spot and Delirious's spot. Uh, he gets hit with the Me Too movement and has uh, went into the ether we haven't heard anything about that guy at all, so I'm assuming that he is just done at this point. And I'm not gonna just say Puerto that. Rico. The U the UK won't even do stuff with him, but yeah, he's now I think just in Puerto Rico wrestling. But they signed him to like a two million dollar deal to come in and run that fucking show, and yep. then immediately had to cancel out of that contract, and it shifted all the weight back onto Delirious, and they haven't been able to run shows with fans you know, for two years. And that company is built around their, I mean, they're not, they're not making as much money off ads as say AEW or WWE. Let's just say that. Right. So taking away that live audience, I'm sure Sinclair saw it as, Hey, we're just fucking bleeding money off this thing, especially with actual contracts signed. They just re-signed Dalton Castle not that long ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it just sucks. And it's very, very sad, especially for old school Ring of Honor fans. And I'm sure that final battle, the fans will show up in, in, in droves. If you're a Ring of Honor fan and you can make it to that pay-per-view in Baltimore, get there. I don't think I'll be able to make it there just because it's around the holidays. But if you're anywhere near there, you're a Ring of Honor fan, fucking show up. Like, sell that building out. Let's have one big last pay-per-view. And maybe that'll be enough for them to actually care about Ring of Honor again, and, and it could change. Who knows? Anything can change on a dime. If they have a really hot show, we'll see. But, I mean, you know, it sounds like you were saying they're going to go the route of maybe like a GCW or Black Label Pro, where I'm assuming this stuff will just be shown on Fight TV. And if that's the case, that's the case. But, you know, it's one less bigger... Um televised organization on you know we still have a lot of good stuff and i think that this is a good direction to go in because this is inevitable unfortunately but these wrestlers are going to be able to fill some of the other organizations uh one like mlw which is now televised so i guess one goes the other one comes if you will getting off of youtube and now actually being on a network but we have nwa we have mlw we obviously have the big two wwe um and NXT to an extent, uh, obviously AEW, Impact. A lot of these guys are perfect fits, I would say, for any of these organizations. Um, and I guess that's the next question. But I think that almost, I think that all of them, uh, especially the women, because they have some awesome women wrestlers, um, they're they're going to find some places. Uh, I, I don't think that that's crazy, but. You know, Chris, I think that specifically if we were going to go into it with the amount of talent that they have there. Did you want to say something? No, no, no. Go ahead. 
yeah, with the uh, with the amount of talent that they have. Um, like I said, Dan Housen, I have to admit, man, and it just seems like it's amount or it's uh, even if he was in Ring of Honor, it was only a uh, amount of time until we would probably see him popping up in some way with AEW. Uh, he's definitely more of a comedic character, uh, but the fans love him. He's best friends with Orange Cassidy and a lot of the guys over there. He's actually tall as shit, which is weird. But then again, he's going and always has gone for kind of like a uh, Conan O'Brien um, vampire gimmick, if you will. So I guess that kind of feeds into it. But I think that he could be a lot of fun to mess around with on that roster. Um, definitely Impact seems like another place. Also with Dalton Castle, either of those places could work. Uh Brody King, I'd love to see full-time in Japan doing some crazy shit. If if Jonathan Gresham doesn't go over to AEW, which I think he would do amazing over there, uh, I could definitely see him in Japan. The Briscoes are already talking shit with uh, FTR, going back and forth with them on Twitter, saying, you know, name the place and the date. But we have a lot of great guys that are going to be awesome additions to NWA if they're more classic-styled. NXT if they're younger, because now that that's there, that's how it's going to be. Um, you know, Impact if they're more on the comedic side, but still want that 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 definitely sports entertainment feel, but they still have great matches and whatnot. Uh, but specifically, and I don't know where you think he should lie. Jay Lethal needs to go to a place where he can be projected and beyond to me the same level as a lot of the big guys. And I think that if he showed up in AEW specifically, it would be a big deal. It might not be to, uh, you know, a Brian Danielson or CM Punk, but people would freak the fuck out. He's only 34 and he's already a veteran. I mean, for Christ's sakes, and he's still young. He can still wrestle his ass off. I love to see Gresham show up. And I think that on the top level, I think that some of the criticism about them not having, some on the, the the top level of uh you know African American athletes these guys especially Jay Lethal could really add into that and believably transition uh you know I can see Gresham if he doesn't go to Japan or wherever maybe he stays on an indie level becoming a TNT champion very short into it having awesome matches with Daniel Bryan and a lot of the other technical wrestlers there with Jay Lethal specifically I think he can go if not in the title picture what Brian Danielson and CM Punk are doing, having great matches with some of the top guys, and you know that that's going to be someone there soon in the future. But, hey, uh, you got to turn silver linings with situations like this. And even, like I said, some of the more technical, smaller guys that are younger, that were fresh and really adding to that place, I think all of them are going to be gobbled up and making a lot of money in some of these other organizations. But... What do you have to say about the Briscoes, Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham, Chelsea Green, you know, a lot of great talent. Where would you like to see some of them end up, Chris? Well, I mean, the biggest question is the Briscoes for me, and mostly because they, I guess it was a few years back, they made some homophobic comments and how much weight that's going to hold wherever they would go in the United States. Like as AEW or WWE, which they've already been to WWE twice and and ended up not working out. So really, in the United States, you look at MLW, Impact, and uh, AEW, 
and it's almost like they're fit for Japan. Yeah. But, you know, like it's it's just NWA too. Yeah, they could definitely do stuff with NWA, but NWA is not really they're not doing full contracts, right? They're just doing paid per appearances, which would be the same as as Ring of Honor. Um, I think some of the big names you already hit on Brody King. I would assume that WWE's already had interest interest in him. Yeah, and it would definitely. Be, it, it would be more of it would be more of if they want to sign a guy of of that age because when he's he's like thirty four, I want to say, which is not crazy old and in, in this day and age, considering that you know they just had Goldberg fucking main event a show, but um, it's also WWE, so who the hell knows? Brody King and Alistair Black have done stuff in the past. Maybe you bring Your him best in friends. Work, with, work with Alistair, do some kind of cool ass little team with them. That could be cool. Uh, I mean, the big one to me is like Kerry King. He could kind of go anywhere. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, a guy we haven't talked about, like uh, Hot Sauce Williams. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to impact. Yeah, Tracy, I could see him. I could see Tracy in uh, MLW as well, and Kenny King in MLW as well. So. And uh, I mean, the one good thing that came out of this is that they're not. At least they're not locking the guys in the contract and not letting them work anywhere else. Yeah. Because what they said is immediate as of immediately, they can work anywhere that they want as long as they still fulfill their Ring of Honor date. So like even if you were locked into you can only work Ring of Honor only type of contract, they're able to go work indies and, and do a bunch of other shit. So we could see these guys popping up all over the place very shortly or at least an impact and an mlw and, and ring of honor or not ring AEW and, and maybe even new japan depending on what the hell's going on um mike bennett i'm assuming him and maria are just going to be full-time impact. <sighs> yeah i just i feel bad for them man they've had a rough time since premiering uh you know on wwe um it just sucks what about two people i want to sh- uh, shout out shane taylor who's a fucking beast and also your girl, man, uh, Session Moth, does she go back to the UK or does, you know, an Impact or an AEW pick her up for their women's division? I, wouldn't she be a breath of fresh air for the AEW? <laughs> and also Roxy, their champion, their women's champion. Roxy, but yeah, she I, would. Roxy, I don't know as much about other other than seeing the, the couple of matches that she's had in Ring of Honor as of late, uh, winning the title and then kind of defending it but yeah session moth uh, literally fans have been tweeting at cody <laughs> repeatedly to sign session moth i think she would be a good fit there there's not a female character like session moth on that roster at all um but i could also see her landing in like impact she could go back to the uk and just work indies i mean that's what she did before getting signed to ring of honor and still has been doing because they haven't utilized her that much in ring of honor because of covid um so I don't know. That's it. There's a bunch of interesting people on this roster, man. It's let me let me add another uh, group of people that I don't want to forget the amazing luchador talent between and they might be able to be going back to CMLL or if they came over from Triple uh, A. But you have Roosh, you have his brother Dragon Lee, you have the champion Bandito, you have Ray Horace, um, you have Flamita, you have some of the best luchadors in the game right now at ring of honor 
A lot of them go back and forth between the other two big Mexican promotions, like I said. But are they going to still want to do something over here? And, could, you know, I mean, that's another that's another department specifically with AEW, maybe in their mid card or upper card. They have Andrade. They have obviously, uh, you know, uh, Pentagon and, and Phoenix, but a couple more Lucha Libre guys, some of them in which they've worked with before, like a bandito for all in. Uh, you know, that's another um, a, a, another group of amazing wrestlers we could see show up in Impact, AEW, MLW, and so forth. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would assume that they're going to just focus on Mexico hard in general, right? Coming back, but uh, FTR is currently the tag team champions of AAA, right? Yes, sir. So there's a lot of these cats that you can bring in for one-offs, even if you want to do a title match on AEW and then also do a title match in, in AAA or something. There's a lot of stuff that you could do there. I know some of these cats are signed to CMLL. Um, but, but that forbidden door doesn't even seem to be that forbidden anymore with Andrade <laughs> doing AAA matches. So I don't I don't know, man. It's just, it's all up in the air. I'm assuming that there's, like you said, Ring of Honor is still going to be doing shows to some extent. They're rebranding, they're doing... They said the first quarter of uh, 2022, which will be January, they're going to do something. I mean, they're going to have some kind of show. And I mean, the only problem with AEW is the roster is fucking packed as it is. Um, yeah. And I think some of these people are better than people they have on their roster that they give time to. But it's, yeah. it's, it's just, I guess it just depends on your thought, your thoughts on that or as a fan, like, you want to see new talent get built, and that's what AEW tries to do a lot. Uh, but you know, someone see, like honestly, the only guys, and this is this is my this is nothing against everyone that is a part of this uh, organization. When it comes down to specifically AEW, I'll, uh, let me just throw out two other guys: Silas Young needs to go to NWA, and PCO needs to go to MLW and fight with Mil Martez. And have some awesome fucking matches because they do the horror shit over there. Uh, anyways, but when it comes specifically to AEW, Jay Lethal, I, I would make an exception, honestly. Jonathan Gresham, I could see trying to go, like I said, he likes sports-based stuff. So I could see him in Japan, but he would be a great addition for that program. Other than that, I don't see the Briscoes, even though I love them, ending up in a full-time contract in AEW. I could be wrong. But that's just me. Dan Housen seems to add to some of the more comedic elements, but could actually bring something cool. So I don't see him getting a title specifically anytime soon. Chelsea Green, I'd love to, say, grab her in Session Moth and put them right in the fucking women's division. But other than that, I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting uh, some people. Maybe a couple of the luchadors. Cause maybe Bandito specifically, because he's fucking... You know, people compare him to Hoovy and Ray, and he is incredible in the ring. Um, other than that, I don't see anyone else possible. Like, maybe I see three people in reality ending up in uh, AEW. Everyone else is going to do suitable work and become great parts of the roster for NWA, an MLW, a Impact Wrestling, and even a couple will go to NXT, I think. I, I can see that. Um, Dan Housen. I mean, if you want to use him in a manager role, and if he was open to that, I think that would be phenomenal. 
wherever you wanted to put him. If you're going to let him be the character, but be a man, even if you don't want him to necessarily wrestle um, full time, there's some cool things you could do with him. So I think he fits in a lot of different companies. For the Briscoes, man, I'm, it's people are going to dig up. Maybe I guess. they're going to they're going to dig up that history, and it's like, it does a company want that flack? And so far, we've seen from AEW. They're going to try to steer clear of that as much as possible, especially if they're going to announce a big signing like the Briscoes. So, I, you know, I, I'm assuming they're going to be NWA and probably Japan, which they've been they've worked Japan before, but Japan needs tag teams. I want to see the Briscoes versus Gorillas of Destiny. I'm down for that for a couple of matches as long as they don't drive it into the ground. <laughs> Seriously. Guys like Beer City Bruiser are the ones that I, you know, feel a little a friend of the show. We, we've done interview with Beer City Bruiser. Great guy. Um, that's a guy that looks like to me, that's exactly what NWA is going for. He's almost like a dead set Trevor Murdoch kind of guy. Like there's stuff you could do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of talent on the roster. And like like we like we talked about earlier, they're not saying they're shutting down the company. But when you're talking about selling video rights and stuff and rebranding it's almost like they're going to start a new company in general yeah and there's not going to be like you said contracts uh to keep people getting steady money they're going to be like hey we're having a show do you want to you know perform at it so a lot of these guys that are that have been building themselves or already have been part of the wrestling industry needs steady income and and they're i'm, I'm telling you this this is gonna this sucks and we're also losing a big organization. But when it comes to the talent on the roster, Ian Riccoboni is gonna find another fucking place because he's a great commentator. All the people involved, I think for the most part, will find money somewhere else because they're all talented as shit. Except yeah. for Flip Flip Gordon's pissed off pretty much everyone except for Ring of Honor. So hopefully uh, that doesn't deter him. But yeah, uh. Wasn't he part of the elite at one point in time? No, he was. He was. He was trying to get in Brandy's pants. Oh, maybe they'll yep. bring him in. I mean, he's been in AEW before. He was part of the Battle Royal, right? Yeah, the for uh, all in. Yep. Yeah. Then there's uh, uh, guys like Joe Hendry, which I really like him. He's probably going to go back to the UK. Could see him pop up in Impact, and I really like Dak Draper. He totally has a Mr. Perfect feel. I think he could be great if he went to the NXT. Um, I think that he's actually someone that they really could use, honestly. But, I mean, everyone, I'm looking at the whole list of their roster. All of them are talented as shit. I just want to see Jay Lethal show up on AEW. I think that if he shows up, that would be pretty big. And people are, especially those fans, or us fans, if you will, that are more diehard if he shows up there, we're going to be like, fuck yeah, Jay Lethal is with it, and we know about what's going on in Ring of Honor. So if I'm I'm sure Tony's talked to a couple people, and, and I would be really surprised if Jay wasn't one of them. Yeah. I, do you think AJ Styles make, goes to bat for Jay and tries to get him in WWE? That would be great, but he'd have to go straight to the roster. I, I would just hope that, if that were to happen, and AJ is friends with Jay, I could see that scenario playing itself out, or other guys on the roster as well saying, hey, we need to grab him. Bruce Pritchard and fucking Vince looks him up and goes, Black Machismo, this is great. And then Jay Lethal stuck doing the match. And I love it, but, you know, 
I'm sure he would get sick of it, and they just make him do the Macho Man thing the whole entire time while he's there. I, I and mean, that's it. No that's title. It. You're just the Macho Man guy that comes out. Maybe you'll get the U.S. title or IC title. He would just be a great name for WWE, like coming in, especially if he's gonna if he could work with AJ. Which this is the problem is the AJ like WWE wouldn't know how to do this, but. If you wanted to build off like his past, I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers there that he has a lot of he's had a lot of matches with like Generico and Steen. Well, <laughs> never mind. They won't be there that much longer. Um, Probably not. <laughs> but it's Styles and uh, Xavier Woods specifically. They were yep. a tag team, like former tag team champions in Impact, right? So or TNA at the time. Uh, Consequences Creed. And uh, lethal consequences, like seeing those two guys feud again. But I agree. I mean, the does he want to do that schedule? Because that's, I mean, that's yeah. part of the reason he liked Ring of Honor is that he wasn't he wasn't having to tour that much. So Jay Lethal almost sees like a guy that would be fine landing back in Impact, especially with new management and stuff. Um, and he has a legacy there too. So I. I Personally, I, I mean, I want Lethal versus Brian Danielson and Punk and Hangman and all those cats. I think that would be amazing. I don't know that I've ever seen him versus Omega. That would be great. There's a ton yeah. of shit you could do with him on that roster. It's just, does, does he want to do it? Because AEW started touring again. Like, they're going city to city. They're doing four shows a week at this point. Uh... <laughs> How much does Jay Lethal want to do that? It's kind of like the James Storm thing. There's like, you know, you kind of get used to just doing recorded shows. And then you're like, I don't know if I fucking want to <laughs> be traveling all this much. So what you're saying is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Uh-huh. I mean, the real question is, who's going to pick up Delirious as like either a booker or a talent agent? Yep. I think Delirious, yeah, those are... T- like I said, Ian Riccoboni as an announcer definitely needs to go somewhere, and the Delirious needs to be added to, I mean, someone's writing team, whether it be... If he goes to Impact, he's wor- working with Jimmy Jacobs and Tommy Dreamer for the fucking shit. That would be a great addition over there, but who knows, MLW could use someone, you know, it's it's uh, it's very interesting, for sure. Yeah, Delirious posting kind of right after that on Twitter hit hard with him in the fog, like fading into the ether essentially uh it was sad man i i I got a little heartbroken about this because a lot of my favorite wrestlers came out of ring of honor and just seeing this brand not only change when they say rebranding that scares the hell out of me um but just seeing this company go from a televised thing watching it build all the way up to what it was to kind of what it's going to become hurts me man it's very depressing yeah i can totally see that man and uh i don't know we'll have to see what happens at least they're somewhat staying an organization it just when it goes back to it it just sucks that sinclair couldn't try to do something with it um just put it on the back burner and they're wondering why it's burning you know it's on fire so what are you gonna do All right, I guess that was an accidental Wait, pause I mean, for uh, I, Ring of if Honor. I, if we win the lottery, we could buy Ring of Honor, maybe. 
I'm not doing that. I'm just I'm being honest with you. But um, we'll we, we we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll uh we'll, we'll get into the business. But anyways, another company that we've been talking about with that, Bound for Glory happened um last Saturday. Bound for Glory being pretty much the WrestleMania for Impact Wrestling. What Slammiversary is to SummerSlam, if you will. Uh, and their biggest pay per view, I think. They shouldn't have promoted that they were going to get some WWE talents uh, a month or two ago. They kind of had those things in because pretty much all of it fell through. Braun Strowman, they were trying to look out to Bray Wyatt. Uh, they were, they seemed to have had Braun Strowman close to signing. Uh, none of that happened. So <laughs> we'll get to the battle royal of who we got instead. Uh, I thought that this pay-per-view was, it was fine. It was fine. The last two matches were fucking awesome. And I love the X Division match. There was there was some good stuff on here. But at the same time, you know, it was whatever. The ending to me was the best part of it. And we'll get to that. Um, I'm not going to go everything in detail. We'll just kind of fly through the, uh, the, uh, the matches themselves, at least the first two. So we had on the pre-show, listen to this, Chris. Um, they had a... Intergender, intergender six-way match for the new Impact Digital Media Championship. Isn't that the internet championship that fucking Matt Cardona has? Like, what the fuck would be the difference? I don't know, but I'm assuming that Matt Cardona is going to challenge for this belt. <laughs> Probably. Well, so who was in this match was Jordan Grace, and she beat Chelsea Green, Crazy Steve, Falaba, and Madison Rain. Oh, and John uh, Schuyler. Like, is this not the most fucking random-ass match of people? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? I don't know. It really is. I mean, I mean, Jordan Grace, she got some... She got a lot of publicity after she won this title by doing the Shawn Michaels pose with the belt. I saw that. That, that was heavy. But I didn't actually see this match other than she won. Yeah, sil- silliness, but I'm glad that Jordan has something. I guess it would have been funny and interesting if Chelsea won it because she would have had this and then her her boyfriend uh, would have had, obviously, his internet belt. So that would have been uh, interesting, but whatever. Uh, then the inspiration, which is Casey Lee and Jessica uh, McKay, formerly known as the Iconics, defeated Decay, Havoc, and Rosemary to become the Knockout Tag Team Champions. We had Trey Miguel... We had the X Division Championship uh, in a three-way match on the line uh, since Josh Alexander put it on the line when he cashed it in. So Trey Miguel, Fantasmo, and Steve Macklin, uh, who was more of like the, the muscle, you know, the guy from, um, oh man, what was the Forgotten Sons that's that's been in here. I'm pretty sure it's Deanna Perrazzo's, uh hubby. But uh, Trey Miguel beat them. He's now, I think, a three-time Impact X Division champ. Pretty good match. And Heath and Rhino back together. Defeated Violent by Design, uh, Diener and Joe Doring. Uh, so we're we're about to get to the uh, the battle royal itself. Chris, did you have <laughs> anything to say about any of these matches uh, leading up, specifically the X Division match? Did you see? I any love of Heath and I love Heath and Rhino, but why are they beating Violent by Design? Well, in the storyline, and I know that you don't keep up with Impact as much as I do, but 
So Heath got taken down by by design. Rhino couldn't save him. Then they took Rhino and kind of forced him into this cult group. And then he finally rebelled against them and has been, you know, Heath saved him, saved him coming back from injury and asked him to be in his corner. And we didn't know if Rhino was going to come out. And he did. He came. He helped his best friend defeat Violent by Design. That was the uh, story behind it. Oh, okay. I mean, I just like Violent by Design a lot. They should be... Ah, well, maybe this is the way that you get them into the tag team championship picture. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I'm a big fan of Joe Doring. So we have the uh, intergender call your shot gauntlet match. This is basically now they have their own 20-man Royal Rumble, the Night of Bound of Glory, and you get um, whatever you would get basically for the money in the bank. So, out of the people involved in it, I'll just kind of go over, I'll just say the 20 people. Uh, Chris Saban was one, he pretty much stayed all the way until the end before uh, getting eliminated by the winner, Moose. We had Rocky Romero, Madman Fulton, uh, Rahit Raju, Tasha Steeles, Rachel Ellering, Savannah Evans, Johnny Swinger, Melina. Oh, we're going to stop real quick. Chris, instead of getting Braun Strowman, which is what they were trying to get, we got the return of the Kiss Demon, and I wonder if Gene Simmons heard about this, because if not, man, you guys are going to get fucking sued. Because, uh, yeah, but dude, did you ever think you'd see the Kiss Demon show up in wrestling ever again, man? Brings back old memories. <laughs> no, I did not. What is that guy's name? Because uh, he's actually a good wrestler. <laughs> it is a uh, ring name. Uh... Uh, Dale, uh, Torborg? Yeah. Yeah, he was a power plant guy, but I remember him being pretty good in the ring. That is fucking random as hell, though. I mean, I guess they tried to tie it into <laughs> Halloween a little bit by having the kiss demon there. I don't know. Fucking yeah, it was, it, it was random as fuck. Um, and this was a good battle royal. It was fun seeing him back, but it was like, they, they've been trying to get Braun Strowman apparently specifically for this match. I don't know if it would have changed based on Moose winning it because of that, but instead they got the demon. But anyways, the rest of the people, Brian Myers, Matt Cardona, Laredo Kid, Sam Beal, Rich Swan, Ace Austin, all great wrestlers, a lot of fun, and Moose beat Chris Sabin to advance and, and, and get this money in the bank. So pay attention if you didn't watch the pay-per-view. He's now got this money in the bank-like thing with this contract. Um, did you get a chance to check out this fucking ridiculous battle roll? I did not. I heard the result of it, and then I tuned in and watched kind of the last... I watched the last three matches of this, because you had the tag title match, and then the championship matches with Mickey James versus Deanna and Alexander versus Cage, and those were the three that I was kind of the most interested in. Um, so those are the only ones I watched out of pay-per-view. So when it got, I mean, they did do a good job on commentary talking about Moose winning the battle Royal, but I didn't actually watch the match. So when you said the kiss demon was in there, I was like, the fuck, because <laughs> you sent me that you're like somewhere on the indie scene right now. I think you had made like a fantasy wrestling match and it was like the demon and the Yeti and, <laughs> and Gangrel. It was, it was, it was Halloween theme. Boogeyman was there. I had the uh, Samoan werewolf, Jacob Fatu. And uh, who else? Who the fuck else did I have in that goddamn thing? Oh, PCO, because he's a human Frankenstein. Uh, it was great. I had Halloween <laughs> Havoc, Chris, and a Hell in the Cell. 
I threw so, PCO off the top of the hell of the cell through the fucking announce table, Mick Foley style. It was great. <laughs> Poor PCO. <laughs> I was getting grow. I was spitting blood in people's faces and fucking giving them the Impaler DDT. It was, it was. I need to shut the fuck up. Take over. Sounds sounds pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> so I no, I didn't see the battle royal, which is why I was confused with the, about the demon thing. And then I like had to look it back up, and I was like, oh okay, <laughs> that's that's why. Yeah, but um, it was it was interesting for sure. But the, like like you said, the last three matches were the best. Um, good brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson got back their titles, uh, if you will, defeating Finn Juice, uh, David Finley and Juice Robinson and the Bullet Club, Chris Bay and Hikaleo. Uh, awesome match all over the fucking place. And I think the good brothers make sense on being the tag champions. Uh, what did you think, Chris, about that match? I thought it was a pretty good match overall and it made sense with the good brothers winning because they're going to stay and Finley and juice. I'm assuming you're going back to new Japan for uh wrestle kingdom to build up to wrestle kingdom. Yeah, apparently. And I don't know if this is a smart decision. They said that they're always uh, apparently open to doing it later on, but the forbidden door is closing on impact. They have their talent, and apparently this was it with AEW and New Japan for now. Do you think that's a smart decision, Chris? Do they have any stake in the matter? I don't know. I mean, it seems like more of a New Japan decision, right? Where if things are going to start opening back up in Japan and they're going to be able to have the Wrestle Kingdom they want, they're going to want to build those matches. So they, you know, New Japan's weird. They're going to start removing talent from these different places. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be like that with AEW too. So I don't know what that means for. Uh, De- I know Deanna wanted to have a match with Britt Baker. She obviously doesn't have the belt anymore because of Mickey James. But I don't know what that means also for the Good Brothers as far as crossing over with Kenny and all them. Um, maybe Adam Cole's statement really did hurt their feelings when he didn't reference them at all. <laughs> oh, when, oh, you're talking about with AEW. I thought you were talking about with New Japan. Well, no, both of them. Both of them. Apparently, this is them closing the doors for you know everyone else outside of just Impact. What does that mean for Christian? Because he signed to AEW. Is that why well, he Christian, dropped the title here? Or, yeah, sorry, that, spoilers. That, that, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, he dropped the title to get you know to to leave, if you will. What does that mean for fucking Don Callis? <laughs> well, Don's done. He's full time now as a manager uh, working at AEW. He's done with Impact. Interesting. I wonder, yep. I wonder how much of the Ring of Honor talent they're going to sign then because Impact's going to need to fill some of these gaps. I know. Especially with AEW. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how long her contract is, but Deanna Prazo losing to Mickey James. I thought was very telling. And I guess we can go into that match next. Awesome match by Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo for the Impact Knockouts Championship. I also, and also, um, uh, you know, I, I just love that uh, Mickey's got the belt again. She had an excellent match with Deanna, and Deanna still proves why she's such a great, not only technical wrestler, but wrestler in general. But um, yeah, that was, that was a, a nice addition, having a hardcore country win. But I don't think she's going to have the belt long i feel like someone's gonna take that off for very quickly uh what did you think about this match chris i thought it was a great match it was good to see mickey james in a match that someone actually gave a shit about they went what 15 minutes in this match um yeah 
Uh, yeah, right, so. right about. It's fun seeing Mickey James actually be able to wrestle a match again. That's not two minutes, two and a half minutes long, because that's been my memories of her from WWE outside of the Oscar match. And uh, I thought it was really good. Deanna Perazu is fucking next level. So even if they do close this forbidden door, AEW, you're dumb if you don't want to try to get that match with Perazu and, and Britt Baker. Or try to get her once her contract's up. Yeah, that too. Well, like you said, I, I don't know what her contract looks like, but um, yeah, yeah, she, she she's going to end up being the hottest free agent if her contract is coming to an end, like a, as far as a female wrestler goes. And it's still just baffling. The WWE lost her. Like how? <laughs> how? So stupid. Still, still, but this is great. It was fun seeing Mickey James win the title again. An impact felt like old times, hardcore country herself holding the belt up high. I love Mickey. As uh, fans of the show know, so this was great. Yep, and that would leave the main event: Josh Alexander, Christian Cage, for the Impact World Championship. Uh, great match, man! And the way I got to give Matt Striker and D'Lo Brown a lot of credit—the way they sold this match, the way they talked about the family aspect, the fact that you know you got the Ricky Steamboat concept of his wife and his kid being right there in the audience watching him. And how this is such a big deal to Josh Alexander. And he's going against someone that he respects like Christian Cage. And Christian, I don't know if this was meant to happen. But slowly when he realized the audience was more into Josh, he kind of started healing it up more. And uh, I really enjoyed that part. Because it kind of like, it was like a Bobby Eaton versus Bret Hart concept. You have one guy that's just a great old all-around wrestler, like pro wrestler. And then the other guy's obviously got the more collegiate concept and is more of a technical worker, but they can both keep up with each other. Josh Alexander since, well, him in the North with Ethan Page, I thought was a great tag team, and I thought he was great in that aspect. But him being a singles guy, I thought he's, you know, done a very good job. He was a great X-Division champion. He's awesome. He's, you know, influenced, like I said, by the Hearts, by Lance Storm, by, by Kurt Angle, a lot of those guys. Um, and he just... He had this great match. There was a one moment that scared me, Chris, where he suplexed, and I think he totally didn't mean to, but Christian too close to the turnbuckles and almost su- suplexed Christian, who we know has you know, concussion issues, right into the fucking uh, bottom uh, turnbuckle. But Christian kind of caught it, moved over, and fell on the ropes, but it looks scary right there. But these guys, I mean, kicked the shit out of each other. It was a great match. And Josh finally, I mean, he had him in the sharpshooter for a while, but he finally got Christian to uh, win by submission. And afterwards, they, you know, Josh has been their project, much like uh, Adam Page has been the project over at AEW. That Braun Breaker now is the project over at NXT. It's like building him up. And finally, when he gets it, the people have been there for him. And even though he was a heel a, a year and a half ago, in a tag team, he's now one of the big baby faces. So he wins it, and and Chris, you know, his wife comes in, and and, and Matt Stryker sounds like he's actually getting emotional, you know, describing it. The kid is holding the belt. It's all excited, and fucking Moose comes out, and fucking cashes in his contract, takes him out with a spear. One, two, three. Josh just lost the fucking title. Moose wins it, and that's how we go off the air. I have a um, I have the promo that he cut 
on Impact this last week or part of it that I wanted to share. But before I do that, I love this, man. I loved it when Josh won. I was like, all right, that's a good way to go off. Great baby face moment. And then fucking Moose fucks him over and finally gets that title in such a devious heel way. I thought that that was actually a pretty goddamn good ending to uh, a, a decent pay-per-view for Bound for Glory. I actually love this a lot. Normally, I don't like shows going off the air with just pure heat. But if you're going to have Moose just be a complete dick heel and have Josh chase, chase him for the belt, that's great. I think that's a great storyline moving forward. It's good to see Moose finally win this damn thing, regardless of how he got it done. It's funny that he just did it right in front of Josh's family. Um, man, this was good. This is really good booking. And uh, beating him in seven seconds, not drawing it out, just the spear pin, good shit. I'm excited for Moose's heel run. I might actually tune in and watch their weekly show just to see what Moose is going to do with the belt. Well, he had a lot to say uh, making his promo, but I really like this part. Keep in mind, yeah, he's over saying the the amount uh, of, uh, just in general of, of the Impact Championship, but it's still, it's cocky, it's arrogant, it's great heel work, and he had passion when he said it, but he says, it doesn't matter how elite you are. It doesn't matter what tribe you're chief to. It doesn't matter if you're the boss, woman, or man, the king or the queen. Hell, you can add a new day to the week. I'm still the greatest champion in professional wrestling. Uh, whether or not I, I, I agree with them, I know what he's going for, and I thought that that was actually really well-worded, Chris. Uh, Moose is now yes. the Impact Champion. It's very Ric Flair, and I fucking love it. <laughs> so cocky. It's great. I mean, if that's the kind of champion he's going to be, uh, and he's going to hold this thing for a little while, that's great. That's really good for Impact. And and yes, I don't necessarily agree that he is better in his role than some of these other people, but it doesn't matter as long as he feels like he is better in his mind, right? <laughs> that's all that matters uh, for his character. So that's fucking great. I hadn't heard that. That's a uh, damn son. Moose out here cutting promos. <laughs> he's gotten so good. It just took a heel turn, and even his agility is still jumped up a notch. Like, I don't know. Good stuff by Moose, man. And I want to say this. Christian Cage has made it into my top ten wrestlers of this year. Yeah. Just based on the matches he's had and uh, even some of his promo work. He's fucking – he's been hilarious on promos, specifically on AEW. Uh, I know he's kind of, he's kind of gotten overlooked because he's not really – I mean, I guess he was the Impact Championship, but it was only because they needed to get the belt off Kenny, realistically. But man, yep. did Christian Cage have a good comeback year or what? <laughs> like, great comeback year, man. Great. Great matches. Great matches, especially the ones with Kenny. So uh, I think he might crack my top 10 this year once we get to, to our end of the year, which will be coming up in December here shortly. I can respect that, man. I can definitely respect that for sure. But yeah, it was, like I said, those last three matches I check out. If you want to have fun, check out the Battle Royal. The X Division match was really good. Other than that, it was a fine pay-per-view. But let's move on to another TV pay-per-view from NXT. We've all had our issues with NXT as far as this 2.0 seems actually like a, a downgrade. But 
They have been building certain people, and uh, some of the matches on this actually was a fun TV pay-per-view. We'll see what happens if they're able to keep up the takeovers to level at which they were, if they even happen at all anymore. But, you know, at least we have. Uh, <laughs> this is all Halloween Havoc. This is such a throwback now with the look and everything, Chris, to me, to the first couple Halloween Havocs, like pre-Nitro Halloween Havocs. Uh, because I love the aspect of since Chucky's uh, got his television show, he's he's been related to wrestling, if you will, talking shit to Scott Steiner back on Nitro in the day. And we have Michael Myers randomly in the back, you know, who also Peacock's got the uh, new Halloween two um, on its on its platform. So he was roaming the back. And the only thing I, I could do without, because it reminds me of the the stupid skit with Tony Schiavone and the kids where he turns into a monster, is all the crap with Dexter Loomis and, and Johnny Gargano. Um, but the matches themselves, I think for the most part, were pretty good matches. Uh, obviously, the number one being, I think, Imperium and MSK, who really tore it down, Imperium becoming the champions. But um, overall, what did you think about this uh, ridiculous uh NXT 2.0 pay-per-view. I liked it better than last year's. We didn't get uh, random zombies and shit. <laughs> right? Well, we did. We, we, we got all those stupid things with uh, Carmelo looking for uh, Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano at Dexter's house. And there was referee oh. zombies and whatnot. And yeah, all that you're right. I kind of forgot about that. They didn't come into what you're probably meaning is they didn't come into the actual arena. They stayed in the skit that they've filmed. That was yeah. stupid. Um, I want to, I did. So Brian Alvarez was talking about Chucky and how he's officially licensed and they actually send you an animatronic to Chucky doll. That you have to fucking pay for who the fuck's going to buy that. But apparently they mail you a list of rules and here's some of the rules. Are you ready for this? Oh my god, sure. His hair must be combed at all times. He can't be put in any kind of compromising positions. Basically, you can't put another doll in a sexual position with Chucky. He uh, can't he be must, Barbie? Apparently not. He must be sitting down at all times and not allowed to stand because he will fall down. <laughs> what the fuck? These are just a few of the rules that they add. But so basically, like when you get this Chucky animatronic, it comes with like this Eddie Van Halen list of shit <laughs> you have to do with it. And I'm like, why didn't they just send the creators of the new Chucky show to deal with this or whatever, since they're on the same fucking network. So uh, when Brian first started talking about it, I thought he was going to say that there was like this panic mode where they were trying to figure out this fucking animatronic the day of the show. Right. Like, fucking Bruce Pritchard and Vince are back there with a remote control trying to figure out how Chucky works. Oh my god, that would be amazing. So that's all I could in my head after I heard that, but uh I thought this was fun. I like I like seeing just random Michael Myers tying it into Peacock, which I thought was fine. I liked Halloween Kills. I know a lot of people didn't. It was exactly my prediction. I did that, too. What that movie should be, which is like Michael Myers basically kills every spoiler alert. Uh, kills everybody. <laughs> also, fuck your kids. Um, 
I loved it just because it was that. I think it was a fun movie. I know some other people it was like it's not a traditional Halloween movie, but whatever. I don't I don't care. What the like what it. the fuck's a transitional? You know what's not a a traditional Halloween movie is the fucking Rob Zombie films. Get the fuck out of here. Give me a goddamn break. And I also loved some of the slight changes John Carpenter made to the soundtrack on that. That was pretty pretty lit. Uh, no, I'm getting a little off. Topic. I could have I could have done without the constant, you know. He dies today. Evil dies today. Evil dies today. Like that stuff was fine, but for a transition movie between the first one and the last one, I was fine with it. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was. I thought the kills were great. I love that beginning part. Like I said, it, it fell down a little bit with the mob, but that was a problem. I think Chris with the fourth fucking film was that kind of storyline with this mob going after him was cool in concept, but was a little dumb when they actually did it uh but you know well they they did confirm that he's basically unkillable in this movie and that he's not a man he's evil which i appreciate yeah Um, instead of like trying to tie it back to like no he's actually a person which he's got weird problems since he was a kid and he he beat a guy to death in the with a stick in the in the in the forest and also, it's like he he's kind of like Tony Soprano in this movie where you're like, I shouldn't be cheering for this guy. But like, fuck it. Let's go, Michael. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the last one. I'm looking forward to the last fight between him and Laurie Strode. That's why she wasn't in it. They're they're saving her. It's an overall story. And I think they've done a good job. People are trying to pretend this is worse than some of the fucking unbearable sequels that have been made for Halloween. And that's a joke to me. The first one's great. I like there's certain things I like about the second one. The third one's great, even though it's not Michael Myers related. I have a special place in my heart for the curse of Michael Myers because of the age I was when it came out and it had Phil Rudd in it. I know it's terrible. And then H2O was pretty good. Everything else, including the fucking Rob Zombie shit, just it's whatever. Sorry, Danielle Harris. I mean, I like this because it was my exact per- prediction. If you're going to call the movie Halloween Kills, Michael Myers better fuck everybody up, which Dude, that, doesn't this film. that fireman scene <laughs> where he fucking just comes out and just starts killing motherfuckers. Uh, awesome. Awesome shit. Yeah. But, hey, we, I got, I'm sorry I got us a little off topic. but uh, So hey, the first Ron match <laughs> for uh, NXT, we had Toxic Attraction. So JC Jane didn't get injured from that one spot. Like I thought she might have. So Gigi Dolan and her went against uh, Io Shirai and Zoe Starks, the champions, and Indy Hartwell and Persia Perota. I got to say, Persia, powerhouse-wise, good stuff. She's still green as fuck with other stuff, but she was good with some of those spots. Um, I thought Zoe Stark and especially Io Shirai were, were murdered. Thank God I, wa- I went and looked back and saw that Io was able to tuck her body pretty well. So, uh, fuck, man, because when she got thrown to the outside to that fucking ladder setup, that was gnarly as shit. And she just bounced off the motherfucker. But, um, yeah, we had Toxic Attraction win, Chris. They're now the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. Uh, later on, th- we had a pretty decent match for the women's uh, belt with Mandy Rose beating Raquel Gonzalez uh, in a street fight. Decent match. Uh, you know, for both ladies, I thought they, they made it look like a pretty good brawl. I'm just not as sold on Mandy as Raquel. So that means Toxic Attraction. They're the champs. They're the tag champs and the women's world champ. So uh, pretty good night for them, huh? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, this first match, the camera cuts on this thing was over nine fucking thousand. So no wonder you thought EO died. 
She hit a moonsault and they did three camera cuts while she was in the air. I'm like, how is that even possible? Fucking Bucky. Um, shit was. There's one part where Persia's like on the ladder, and it looks like she's gonna grab the title, but because of the way they had the camera angled, there was no one attacking her, so it looked like she was just like fending off an invisible ghost. And I was like, are they doing like a ghost spot? So I had to like rewind it back, and I was like, oh no, someone is grabbing her leg. But because the camera cut so hard, it's like, what the fuck am I even watching? Like. So, good match. Um, the camera stuff on this one was atrocious. I think worse than the rest of the entire show. And there was some other bad stuff on the show um, with as far as the camera work. But this one, man, woof, they went hard. Um, so outside of that, I mean, good, good night for Toxic Attraction. Yeah, agreed. And you can kind of go over the uh, the... NXT Women's Championship. I thought they had a pretty good match. Uh, Chucky, you know, I'm surprised he didn't try to go for a Braun Panties match because he's a piece of shit, you know, devil worshiper. Seems like he would be more on the par with uh, Jerry the King Lawler, but they had a street fight, Chris. And Mandy won. She finally got a belt. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't Chucky, like, more go for, like, a death match and actually call it a death match? Possibly, yeah. Maybe that's more structured. He went for a street fight. A trick or street fight match. Uh, you know, yeah. you got to have that theme for that, that sports entertainment vibe, yo. I don't get Mandy Rose at all. I don't see anything in her as a talent. <laughs> Sorry. Like, she is someone that's been pushed so hard at multiple different levels, and I don't think she's that good in the ring or that entertaining. At least she has a group right now. I'll say that, but uh, I wouldn't have had Raquel Gonzalez lose here unless she's going to the main roster. And that's exactly what I'm thinking. Maybe she's going up because Charlotte could use someone else, I think. They kind of showed that last night on SmackDown because, yeah, we have Sasha Banks, but that's been done to death. And even though I'd like to see some matches, it seems like she's going to make Sasha work for it. So Raquel Gonzalez could be someone good to, you know, go back and forth with and give Raquel a little bit more experience on the main product. Did you see that uh, Charlotte Flair has been removed for all public appearances? God damn it. And that uh, she's not very happy. And apparently there's a lot of people that want to fight her right now. So apparently Charlotte Flair, not very happy currently. <laughs> yeah, actually let me comment on it because I've seen and heard a lot of uh, statements about this whole entire thing. And I'm sure that, you know, you might have a different opinion, but I'm sure that you probably feel more in this direction. Um, so, yeah, we talked about it last week because it just happened. And we got the reports that Becky and her had a confrontation. Come to find out that she also pissed off. Um, uh, who's the uh, basically the GM on SmackDown? Not Adam Pierce, but Sonya Deville. Um, and Sonya was actually cussing up a storm. They thought it was insulting. She doesn't get along with a lot of the females in the back and all the problems beforehand with Nyla Rose. Um, Nia Jax, I mean. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm a Charlotte fan, and I'm going to have her back. And I like Solomon Monster uh, in a lot of ways, and actually a good way. I think that he's kind of like this New Yorker version of Brian Alvarez, very smart, but also very kind of aggressive with his tongue and opinion. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but 
he was kind of framing this on Charlotte, and I think that a lot of people are. So let's see what Charlotte did wrong. Charlotte had problems with with Nia, who fucking shot on her, basically, and did her own thing, who's dropped her on her neck and almost did during that match as well. She had issues with that. Her dad's gone. Uh, her husband got, or future husband got completely fucked out of the company. Uh, she doesn't get along as well, especially with, and it was an interview with Renee that I listened to not too long ago with Becky as well as she did in the past. And, uh, so she, she shouldn't have stuck up for herself with Naya. Uh, and apparently she shouldn't want both her championship, you know, reigns and also her character to look bad by doing this stupid thing that all of us fucking thought was dumb with the title exchange. And she was vocal about it. And she pissed off everyone because she did it the way that she would do it, which honestly, she's a fucking heel. So I could see her doing that. So I don't give a shit if it's her versus the whole entire fucking company. If you guys want to make some stupid decisions, piss off Charlotte because Ashley Flair can show up on AEW and she's one of their biggest stars. So even with Becky, I don't give a fuck. I think Charlotte's worth it. I know a lot of people just dislike dislike her to dislike her because they're fucking stupid. I don't give a shit. I think it's just dumb to say, damn you, Charlotte. Damn you for fucking having a problem with Nia. Damn you for having a problem with your character and your championship getting dragged in the fucking mud. You're such an asshole. Give me a fucking break. Sorry. Well, I mean... I, I agree with you for the for pretty much all of that, honestly. Uh, I don't get people's weird hatred for Charlotte and like, hey, she pissed some people off. But guess what? Have you ever heard of Hulk Hogan? She's a fucking heel and she's the top heel and she's been the top dog for a long fucking time. And if you're going to try to book her in some bullshit, yeah, she needs to protect her fucking character. She just re-signed this contract for WWE for three years. Um. You know, her dad got into a little bit of trouble here after this airplane thing aired. Her husband got fired from the company. I think that she is definitely going to try to protect her character. And uh, that maybe that's old school. And people don't like old school. But it's stupid to just trade titles. So if that pissed people off that she said that was stupid, she just reflected what everyone was saying heading into that. Like all of the top names, like Bully Ray, Jim Cornette, uh, me and you, I, I can consider us top names, Dane, uh, Dave, Dave Meltzer, <laughs> like even Solomonster thought it thinks it's dumb that they just switch titles. So now to like backtrack and say, OK, Charlotte's wrong for being a dick about this is she's bad. being difficult. It's it's only because it's Charlotte. If it was anyone else, like if Xavier, if Xavier Woods was or Biggie had to switch titles with Roman or Becky, or Becky had to do it and was like, "This is stupid. I don't want to do this." No one would have a problem with it. That that's the problem. The the narrative is that people just don't like Charlotte, and I guess maybe it's overexposure and WWE did that to themselves uh, to some extent, but. You know, Becky's been gone for nine months and Charlotte Flair's been carrying a women's division. So why You're damn she, right? So Becky Lynch shows up and wins with a seven seconds over Bianca. So maybe Charlotte's pissed about that. Like, let's let's go back in time a little bit. How did Becky win the title, Dane? And how and how it was approached by a lot of people of like, you got to be fucking kidding me. 
but she's fine now. Um, uh, cause I don't she's know. Not Charlotte. <laughs> All I'm saying is like, if, if you're saying in the future, we could be seeing DMD versus fucking, uh, I guess Ashley flair at that point, whatever, man, give, give them another big talent. Do that. That's a smart idea. Go for it. Push people yeah, get, out. Get rid of one of the best female wrestlers of all time. That'll be good for your company. Let's go. And one that. of the best wrestlers you got in your fucking company. And one of the best draws you got in your fucking company. Ugh. Because but, because other people get offended and pissed off and shit. Fuck Naya. Give me a goddamn break. And I'm sorry, I mean, but if Becky if Becky's going to start this and get all pissy because she improvised, and she, or even if she was aggravated... Then fuck Becky too. Once again, don't put two heels in the ring together. <laughs> and that's, who that's... the fuck is Sonya Deville? <laughs> yeah, Sonya uh... has an issue with her. I don't give a fuck what Sonya has to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go back and hang out with Mandy Rose. She's in NXT. You got relegated to a manager role, dog. Jesus Christ. Um. I mean, get rid of Charlotte. If you guys think she's such a problem, let let that bird run. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Let the bird fly is what I meant to say. Like, if if, if people really hate Charlotte that bad, do you think WWE's better without her right now? What's that Hell women's no. division look like without Charlotte? What what's your what? matches? That that's my argument for everyone that is pissed at Charlotte right now. What are your matches if she leaves? You're going to build up Shotzi, I guess? Which, what, where the fuck has Shotzi been? That's a good question in itself. <laughs> like, I guess Asuka, she can come back. Do y'all want another Asuka title run? I'm just saying, like, Charlotte is a constant in that company, and the reason that she is built the way she is is because she's that fucking good. It's the same thing with Roman. Like, you guys hated fucking Roman right roman's gone you missed him now he comes back and he's the best thing on the show charlotte is in a lot of ways the same thing i never was as big of a fan as becky as other people were i think she got over because she got her jaw accidentally broken and road dog put her in a shitty situation and fans rallied behind her because they hated that they turned her heel i agree man i uh i don't know but that's that's just uh what i have to say about that and, uh, but, I mean, if you're WWE, someone like Sonya Deville shouldn't be talking about your top star. You kibosh that shit and maybe fine her <laughs> in general. Because all you're doing is... No, you know what they shit. did? They fucking escorted her with security out of the building. That's why fucking uh, Andrade put up that fuck you WWE tweet. They escorted Charlotte out of the building with security? Yep. After the, after the confrontation with Sonya Deville and Becky, they escorted her out of the fucking place and made her leave. Charlotte's a big girl. I feel like that she could take care of herself against Becky. Maybe not both of them at the same time, but it'd be an interesting fight. Uh, well, anyways, we're going to hear from Charlotte in a little bit uh, for s- stuff that happened on SmackDown when we go over that. But... um. Let's get back to the NXT stuff. Short match, Joe Gacy, because of interference with Harland, uh, defeated Malik Blade uh, really quickly. But Roderick Strong had a 
he put out an open challenge, and obviously it was supposed to be for the championship, the Cruiserweight Championship, and Odyssey Jones came out to answer. So I don't know if they're trying to make us think that Odyssey's not that bright, but they were like, we can't put the championship on the line. You're not obviously 205. So they still had a pretty damn good match, and uh, Roderick Strong won. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was a uh, that was about it. It was like less than four minutes though. So if you blinked, it was, or if you if you if you had a P, you probably missed it. Uh, did you see this match, Chris? I did. It was a great four minute match. Roddy Strong's good in the ring. Who knew? <laughs> yep. No shit. Um, another guy that just reminds me of Dean Malenko, like uh, you know. Just great fucking wrestler all around. Great submission wrestler. Great just wrestler intensity, everything. Roderick Strong is a badass. We talked about Mandy Rose and Raquel Gonzalez. I think this is the match of the night. 13 minutes. Imperium, Fabian Eichner, and Marcel Bartel beat and got the championships back for Imperium. MSK, uh, Nash Carter, and Wesley have nothing to be sad about. Uh, Even though it was a dumb lumberjack match, the stuff inside the ring was awesome. Although <laughs> I forgot who got who who did the dive in the match. It might have been West or it might have been uh, Nash Carter. But Matt Riddle said everyone on the ground should be beaten with sticks because they did a fucking dive and there's a million people over by the announce table and none of them caught the motherfucker and he went basically head first into the damn announce table. So good job, lumberjacks. You guys are idiots. But I thought that was funny as hell that Matt Riddle was commenting. They should all be beaten with sticks. <sighs> Matt Riddle's only out here speaking truths on Twitter. <laughs> no matter how much trouble he gets into, he's just like, fuck it. I'm high right now. Because <laughs> you know he got yelled at after that. <laughs> There's of course no he way. did. <laughs> he's just like, he's just saying the truth. That's what everyone thought. <laughs> Uh, this was a good tag match outside of that. And uh, I heard that, that Vince is a big fan of MSK. So they're, they might be making a main roster debut in the very near future. Yeah, and I think they'll do pretty well on the main roster for sure. Um, all right, so the last match. It was a short match, but I think it was right to the point. It was pretty good and there, it, good story in it. Um, I hope that Tommaso Ciampa didn't accidentally give Braun Breaker. I guess it would be Braun's fault. I don't know. Maybe it's positioning, but that fucking DDT uh, with Hardway, unless Braun Breaker decided fuck Vince and went under the goddamn thing and bladed himself, I'm pretty sure the DDT on the concrete cracked his head open because uh, he was bleeding right after that, but it was actually a good visual. But Braun, with power, was going after, you know, Tommaso Ciampa right at the beginning, got the best of him a little bit. Ciampa kind of slowed it down. And then Ciampa was chopping down this big dude. And it was basically like, he's going to be ready. And I'm glad they actually didn't give the title to him. I think that this is better. This is like, like I said, what they're doing with Adam Page, what they've done with Josh Alexander on their respected uh, promotions. You know, let's let Braun think that he had it. He was going to win it. And he got a, he got ahead of himself. And, you know, with all the little tributes to his uncle and his dad, None of that stuff could win, and Tommaso Ciampa just basically out strategic moved him and just broke him down and finally beat him. Uh, but I thought it was a fun match, and I think that even though there was that one spot where Braun, I mean, this is going to happen, where he slipped 
Um, it, it added to the match. I don't remember what he was doing, but he was in the corner. I think he went to the second ropes and he went to jump off of it. And uh, he started like, you know, before jumping off, getting into the crowd and then, you know, you know, doing the his dad spot with the uh, the barks. And he started getting into it and he went to jump. He slipped. He fell right on his fucking face. And Tommaso Ciampa improvised and put him, you know, in a uh, cradle and almost pinned him. So I, it, it worked. But, you know, in, in actuality, he's got to get around this stuff. He's still green. But I think that Ciampa brought him to a good match. Ciampa's still the champion. And I don't think this is the end of the two of them. Um, I think we'll see more of this soon. But what do you think about this, Chris? Do you think that they should just put the title on Braun Breaker? I'm okay with it. If they're going to build it up for a takeover and have Braun win, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, I like that they kind of put that in our mind when they did the tag match with him and Ciampa last week, right? Yep. So last week where, you know, he showed his inexperience by not being in the corner to tag Ciampa in, and they played off of that. It's like the veteran beat him, even though Braun kind of dominated the match in a lot of ways. He, he got beat just because he's still green. And if that's the story you're telling, that's fine. I mean, Braun Breaker looks like a million fucking dollars, and that's easily where they're going to be going in general. So I'm fine with Ciampa getting a win here. I know it pissed some people off, but uh, look, Braun Breaker is going to have titles. Like, guys, he's been wrestling for, what, six months, Dane? Yeah, we got to worry that Vince isn't going to grab his ass and put him on the main roster without the experience needed. That's what we got to worry about. I would keep him there for a while. He'll win the fucking title. You know, just be patient. Also, shout out to fans just disregarding the name Braun Breaker and and knowing that he's a Steiner and doing bark chants regardless. <laughs> like, y'all y'all the best. <laughs> you know that pisses yeah, and dude. gets his Cheerios so hard. <laughs> like, well, the, the thing is, the announcer the I, I would I, I forgot which announcer what the, his name is, uh, but he's making references to Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner throughout the whole entire fucking thing constantly. So. If you're not supposed to, to realize, oh, this guy might be related to the Steiners, I think you're kind of dumb, you know. But uh, Vince is also kind of dumb for not naming him Rex Steiner. Like, what? that's what Triple H is going to go with. Yeah, and we've talked about it so much in the past where it's like uh, the NXT crowd in general and the people that watch NXT, they're in tuned with the Internet, man. They know that this is Rick Steiner's kid. <laughs> right? Yep. So it's whatever. I mean, they obviously they just want to own the, the naming rights to his character so he can't leave and take the name somewhere else. But I mean, if all the fans know and the announcers know, you might as well have just called him Rex Steiner to begin with. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a really, really good match. And uh, the spot you're talking about, that's Choppa. Just seeing something bad happened and covering up for it. It looked like a million bucks. I love Choppa so much. It's fucking great. Yeah, he's excellent. Absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, let's 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 continue with some of the other uh, shows that we had on. We'll kind of go over some of the highlights of Raw. Um, I did. It was still three hours, uh, and I don't know how long this will last. But the fact that they did have a new roster, it did feel fresh, and the main event itself. You know, we started off Chris with Big E saying, "Who wants it?" And first, Seth Rollins came out. And he was interrupted uh, by several people, including Kevin Owens, uh, including Rey Mysterio, and including Finn Balor, who all were saying basically, like, I should have the title shot. And kind of 
pissed off Seth since he was the first person out, but we would end up getting a setup for a ladder match for the number one contender. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, I thought it was a good way to start it off. Obviously it's fucking WWE. So we got to start off with promos, but I think that Big E sounded good. And I liked some of the people that responded to the challenge itself. Kind of wish that AJ did not going to lie, but you know, that's where we're at right now. But, uh, you know, Seth, Kevin Owens, Rey Mysterio, Finn Balor, all in a fucking ladder match. That's a pretty good thing to uh, say for your main event to keep people to stay, I would say. Yeah, that, and I just immediately, as soon as they said ladder match, I was like, fucking Kevin Owens ain't winning this. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. He's this is kryptonite. He's, he's falling through some shit, which is... Yeah, you're going to hear him laughing. go, oh! And then hit some things, and he's going to be done. <laughs> Real quick before we move forward, uh, I convinced Jiro and Kushida are <laughs> fucking incredible <laughs> on NXT. <laughs> it was a very small thing, but I convinced Jiro talking about how he doesn't know how what Halloween is <laughs> was hilarious. Uh, they might be my favorite tag team right now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, well, let's... Uh, let's get there. I forgot about that. That shit's funny. All right. We had another fucking match with Street Profits and uh, no, 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 no. It was different, but it was Profits, Ziggler and Root, and then you add in Alpha Academy. So the winner of this gets to go against the tag champions at the end of the night. Ziggler and Root won, and we knew that they weren't going to fucking win or have a chance of winning uh, against uh, Randy Orton and um, Matt Riddle. But it's whatever. I feel bad for Ziggler and Root, but I mean... Whatever. Um, you have anything to they say about this? Ass, Ziggler, Ziggler worked his fucking ass off this entire night. They should have gave him an extra paycheck. Yeah, dude. In both, He's a, in both matches. <laughs> motherfucker can bump like a motherfucker. He, he, was, he was absolutely incredible. The one highlight of, of these tag matches was definitely Dolph Ziggler. And I, I don't, I'm not as high on Dolph Ziggler as some other people, but uh, he gave 110% that night. I just I just find it strange that and, you know, I, I know that that Bobby has been compared to a lot of people and so has Dolph. But like in a lot of ways, you have this generation's Rick Rude and uh, Kurt Henning and they're just like not jobber because they've had the titles, but very fucking close to that tag team just seems like they're wasting away a bit. Well, I mean, the problem is, is they're in a tag team in WWE and they're not. That's a good point. You know, they're not as gonna they're not gonna be as over as like the New Day or the Usos or Street Profits. So even though they're a good tag team, they're just gonna be small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Well that and WWE just they fall back on whatever works. Yep, I would agree. Well, Zelina Vega uh is now queen. She had her coronation and uh she had a little match with uh Miss Dewdrop. And she defeated her with a fucking awesome, you know, it, it takes a lot of work from both ladies to make this happen. But the uh, the Code Red Powerbomb uh, was a good way to end it. But a short match and, of course, heel tactics. Question is, Chris, I think Zelina's grabbing the mic. Is she going to try to be like Booker T and do the, uh, the British accent? Or is it going to be in and out like it was tonight? I hope so. I thought this was great. I like Zelina Vega a lot. Uh, she's only had three minute matches though. Are they going to put her in the deep water at some point? 
give her like. I think she can handle it. I think she can handle it. Probably. Is the dewdrop experiment over? Is the better question. (laughs) (sighs) Because she's lost clean to Zelina two times in a row. I mean, I guess they were kind of heel tactics here, but I mean, she didn't hit her with the scepter and get the pin, right? No. She beat her with a fucking move. So it's like, uh, so Dewdrop lost twice in three minutes. Selena Vega should be like, you, you're never allowed to wrestle me ever again. Yep. Um, we would have after that Becky come out. Uh, she was talking about her win over Sasha and Bianca, how she's the best. And of course, Bianca Belair is not done with her. So she came out and just made her, you know, let her know that she can't handle it. And she fucked her over with that, that win right at the beginning, coming out of nowhere and just taking the title like we were just talking about. And then she beat Sasha, so she hasn't really beaten her. And, uh, you know, she told her to get in the back of the line, bitch. And uh, they started brawling and attacking each other. So we're going to still go with this, and I don't think it's a bad idea. I actually think it's good. I mean, I think that... It's working for her, Becky, the whole heel turn, better than I thought it would. But still, I'm just not used to this at all. It's, it's, it's very strange. But I like Bianca, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, she put the title on Seth and put them together, because I think that'll help Becky as a heel. That would be a good... Uh, I, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, that's... Becky doesn't work as a heel to me. <laughs> She's she just she doesn't look menacing enough to be a heel, and she doesn't look chicken shit. She doesn't act chicken shit enough to be a heel. She's just kind of there. Uh, but yeah, Bianca is great, and I don't know. Maybe they give the title back to her, but this is the storyline building to Mania. I'm assuming they have no one else built up, unless they bring Oscar to win the Rumble or some shit. Which is possible, right? Oscar is still rehabbing her shoulder. I want to say. Yeah, I think it's a shoulder. Um, so you know, if Oscar comes back and and then maybe you do Oscar versus Becky. But other than that, I mean, this is your storyline, heading all the way until April. So look forward to that because it's raw. Just strange stuff, man. Yeah, we don't really have a lot of uh, competitors outside of Bianca. It'll be interesting to find out what they're going to do with that because Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, they're all on SmackDown. So unless Asuka does come back, I don't know exactly what they're going to do in that scenario. Where did where did Shotzi land in the draft? Is she on Raw? SmackDown. With- yeah, I'll, I'll just reveal it now, and I'm not trying to call you out, but you brought up Shotzi twice now. Uh, Chris didn't get a chance because he's a busy motherfucker and does a lot of shit. I had a chance to watch SmackDown last night, so I'm kind of, we're going to go over it, but Shotzi's involved in the first thing. She she actually calls out Charlotte, um, so it looks like she's getting somewhat of a push. Okay, well, good for her. That's good. Well, that's that's good, but SmackDown roster is way... It's deeper, dude. You it's got, way deeper. It's so weird. It's like the, the, they, the male roster on Raw is very heavy, and the women's roster on SmackDown is very heavy. Very uneven, too. Yeah, and, and that's more of what I was getting to with Raw. I For whatever reason, I'm sorry. I, I Like I said, I didn't get a chance. Like Dane said, I didn't get a chance to watch SmackDown. Um, but 
that's cool. Shotzi's a good challenger for Charlotte. There should be some good matches. At least something different. Um, but on Raw, especially because Rhea's gone, unless they pull up Raquel Gonzalez, which I think you alluded to earlier, if they're going to pull someone up, that wouldn't be a bad choice. But like, who else is the competition there? It's just going to be Bianca and, and Becky forever? I don't know. It doesn't change either once it goes back to, if it does go back to Bianca, because who the hell then challenges Bianca? Alexa's gone. I, I don't think she's off the roster, but she's gone for right now. Um, now I got to look up the SmackDown roster. <laughs> or the Raw roster, yeah. I mean, Asuka, I think, is still on Raw, right? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know why they would send her to another. If she's on SmackDown, they're literally giving SmackDown everyone. Like, here's yeah. Shayna Baszler, and here's Shotzi Blackheart, and here's Sasha Banks, and here's this and that and that. Um, I mean, unless they're going to pull up, like, Raquel and Io. That could be it. Uh, all right. Where the heck are the ladies in Raw? Yeah, because, I mean, the, pro- the problem is, is, like, with people that are injured, I definitely don't remember the draft from, like, a month ago. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame you, man. It's hard to fucking keep up with that shit. Alexa Bliss, she's taking a break right now, but she's still on the Raw. Um, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Carmella, uh, Dana Brooke, Dewdrop. Uh, I'm still looking. Liv Morgan, Mia Yim, who's supposed to be making uh, some comeback soon. Nia Jax, Nikki Ash, Queen Zelina, uh, Rhea Ripley. Actually, I was wrong, I guess. She's on Raw still. Um, uh, Tegan Knox and Tegan Knox and Shotzi are, are broken up now. They they decided to go back on that. Tamina and that's it. That's the uh, women's division over there. Okay, so they at least they have Rhea to fall back to. And yeah, and and Liv has been someone that that they kind of flirted with pushing about a million fucking times. So maybe they could go through with that. Yeah, but she's like in the Mandy Rose situation where. She's not that great in the ring, and I mean, she's—I think she's better than Mandy Rose, but I don't think they're going to put the title on her. Yeah. Uh, so realistically, you have Selena Vega and Rhea Ripley, and then I guess Oscar. Where did Oscar land? That was the actual question. Damn. I. Oh, that's right. If you're injured, uh, just like Bailey and whoever else is injured, um, you're you're uh, you're a non-contracted or whatever. So. I think they're trying to do that so they can just land wherever the fuck they need them once they're uh, they're healthy. Yeah. You know what they could do? What? Have one good women's division as opposed to splitting brands. Well, that's the weird thing, man. I heard a rumor that they were thinking about doing that, uh, just having one women's division, one champion, and having, obviously, the rosters of both things, and the champion goes back and forth. So it's more, you know... Uh, there's more to do. There's more feuds you can do. It's more prestigious. That's what they're doing with the tag championships. But that's what I thought they were setting up with Charlotte and fucking Becky. And then all that dumb shit with the exchange thing happened. So I was like, okay, well, I guess they're not doing that. Whatever. Baffling. All but, right. So uh, this- okay. it's not as bleak as I thought it was, but it's still a lot of Bianca versus Becky headed forward at least until rumble because bailey and 
and Asuka, they're probably not going to be ready until Royal Rumble. And they could both end up on Raw. Yeah. Uh, so this one is, is kind of puzzling. I'm glad they gave it a little bit of time and showed, uh, because I know that Damian Priest and uh, Dominic Dijakovic are friends in real life. I don't know why Dominic starts to come out in this fucking makeup and why he has to be T-Bar. It's stupid. Both guys are on opposite fucking programs. It's done. It's over with. Let this guy just have a normal fucking look. If you don't like some weird name like Dominic Dijakovic, Vince, because I know that you have these weird fucking things, rename him. Anything will be better than T-Bar. Either way, they had a pretty good match, uh, and Damian came out to new stuff. I don't know how I feel about it. It might be better, I think, what we'll see, but, like, this whole, like, duality of, like, angel and, and devil. So I don't know if they're trying to tap into – I know, like I've said, I, Damian's two favorite wrestlers are Razor Ramon and Undertaker. So I don't know if Vince is trying to tap into him being a little bit more darker of a character. Definitely looks this way, but he snapped. Um, and just started beating the shit out of T-Bar. He got his win, and then afterwards, just continued to beat him down, throwing him into stairs and whatnot. So definitely a new look, uh, entrance, and, and vibe for Damian Priest, Chris. I kind of like this more aggressive Damian Priest as opposed to smiley, happy Damian Priest. Me too. I'm down. I'm definitely here for it. I like that he has this, and I don't know that he needs to be it all the time, but being able to channel some more pissed off version of himself is, is a good thing. I like Damian Priest a lot. I think, he, I think he's super fucking solid, even going back to Punishment Martinez. Um, so it's good to see enough. him. I see that he's getting a, uh, I don't know, he's one person that they haven't fucked up, surprisingly. Even though it kind of seemed like they did, he didn't really take any losses. You know nope. what I mean? Like, he had, like, a really good undefeated singles run. Um, he's still the they, champ? He's still the champ. They put him with Bunny or whatever even before that, and it didn't hurt him. It didn't necessarily help him, but it didn't hurt him. Um, yeah, he's one guy that they haven't fucked up from NXT. He, he, add him to the listing, the very, very short list. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I like what they're doing with Damian Priest. As far as uh, T Bar or J Bar, whatever the fuck, that's J Brown. Yeah, get rid of the name. <laughs> he, Just make him look normal. He's a great fucking wrestler. Like you don't have to put the title on him. You can have great matches with people and not look like a fucking demolition reject. Yeah, Jesus what is Christ. what is the obsession with that right now? Vince is just really into the the BDM <laughs> scene. <laughs> If you want to do like a demolition thing, great, do it. Don't fucking not not at the uh, the cost of all these guys like them and carrying cross and what the fuck, man, just weird. Yeah, like if uh, you wanted to do like, all right, we're taking Dijakovic and carrying cross, and they're gonna be the new like demolition, but we're actually gonna like make them badasses that get the shit out of people or something. I guess that's fine. They can do better by themselves, but. This I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't. I don't. Uh, where 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 is Karen Cross? Well, why not give them a cooler looking Road Warrior gimmick though? Like or that. Look at like what the last what Fury Road was, and give them something cool, cooler looking. Because like even the the like 
Fury Road modernized the way those characters looked in a way that Vince McMahon's brain can't comprehend. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you can still, if you still want to make like a desert outlaw looking person, like look at a video game like Borderlands. Yeah. Right. What's a Borderlands? Well, that's the problem with being 75 years old and trying to book to young people. You're 75. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's I'm 75. But you get what I'm saying? Like, you yep. can still, if you want to do a Road Warriors demolition type thing, you can do it, but just modernize it. Don't have them wearing, like, fucking straps or whatever the <laughs> hell. Oh, God. Why don't they just both come out as Lord Humongous? And, like, Lord Humongous-er is the other guy that's a little bit taller. What's there Goro from Mortal Kombat doing? Can you guys get him as a tag partner? Get a guy Jesus with some, Christ. some fucking fake arms or something? Like, I don't know. WWE's in such a weird spot because it's like Vince is really channeling what he knew back in the day and trying to incorporate but, it back. <laughs> but through through the most like unfinancial positive time period in the fucking company's history, <laughs> the early nineties when right when Hulk was leaving and they didn't have Brett and Sean completely ready. Like you had Hulk leaving, he benched Macho Man, uh, Superstars was on. And there was fucking gimmicks related to jobs and also, like we're saying, whatever movies that Vince actually saw back when it was the 80s, I guess. Fucking would weird. It, be, it would be amazing if they, on Peacock, they brought back that, like their Saturday Night Live show and had Vince host it again. <laughs> there you <laughs> with, go. Like, with skits. Like, if you're going to go full-ass dumb shit, like, let's bring that back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, Liv Morgan and Carmella went against each other. There was a funny spot. Uh, Carmella won, by the way, because of some, you know, some heelish shit. But there was a funny spot. They have not addressed this that Carmella and Corey Graves are now engaged. And um, basically, Carmella tried to run at Liv Morgan at the announce table. She moved. She fucking smashed her, threw her back in the ring, and said to Corey's, like, I'm going to beat the crap out of your fiance. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was whatever. This is, I'm going to keep on going. If you want to say something, you can, Chris. Congratulations to, uh, Corey Graves. There you go. That's it. I mean, let's, I'll speak positive on this. Congratulations, Carmella and Corey. All right. So there was a pretty damn good match, I think, with Keith Lee and Cedric Alexander. And I mean, if you're going to do something and change someone up completely, this doesn't really feel that different than Mark Henry when he was a heel like this, but whatever. If this works, I don't think this is a bad way of doing it. He definitely destroyed Cedric Alexander, and then afterwards Shelton entered the ring and uh, kind of had a stare down with Lee, so I'm sure they're going to do that one next. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to make him be this monstrous uh, heel, I guess that that's... He didn't do a bad job. Maybe this is a better direction than... Him being beast from the X-Men, Chris. I don't know. Dude, it's weird that you pointed out that this was Mark Henry, because I hadn't thought about that. But this is the Silverback thing. Yeah, pretty much. I would but say so. But they're not calling it Silverback, because that's racist. But calling a big African-American a bear, somehow not racist, I guess, WWE. Hopefully no one picks up on that, Dane. Because that character will get canceled real hard. Yep. I don't know. 
Very strange. I do, I do like Keith Lee. I hate the name Bearclaw. It just sounds dumb. That definitely Bearcat? doesn't sound as your bear. Was it Bearcat? Oh, sorry, Bearcat. Bearclaw is actually cooler. You're right. Uh, not as cool <laughs> as Silverback. <laughs> like, it's not as cool of a fucking name. So if that's what they're going for, that's fine. But I mean, he's not. I mean, he's a big guy, but he's not Mark Henry. Which, so he's he's like Kmart Mark Henry, like great value. Is that what we're going for? Wish version. What's what's wrong with just Keith Lee being Keith Lee? I don't know. His promos sometimes, like I said, he reminded me of Beast from X Men. So I guess they're trying to be like, okay, since that's like that, we'll just make him an intense monster who just beats the crap out of people. That's fine. Give him someone that I care about to beat the crap out of. He needs a manager, I think. Oh, I heard Danhausen's free. Yeah, Danhausen's <laughs> not doing anything. <laughs> Danhausen talking about his monster, his creation of the bear cat would be pretty great. Very nice, very evil. Yeah, very very evil. So, uh, we had the setup. I actually liked it where Dominic and Ray were talking about Ray's match later on. Austin Theory kind of came up and was like Sort of insulting Rey Mysterio and Dominic, uh, but not Dominic took, you know, was pissed off about it, challenged him to a match. They had a short match, but I, I think it was uh, pretty good for both guys. Austin ended up winning and he's doing this thing like he did beforehand with Jeff Hardy, where after they're knocked out, he takes a picture with them. So uh, uh, it's fine. You know, theory's getting airtime, so I'm not going to complain about that. Good old Georgia boy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the analysis on this is this was a match that happened. <laughs> this kind of happened at some point during this, right? Uh, I like Austin Theory a lot. Uh, hopefully they continue to give him something to do. I guess he got a win here. I like the selfie thing where he tried to get a selfie with Dominic and the ref interfered with it and got pissed yeah. off. So he just took a selfie with the ref. That's probably the best part about this match. It's an interesting way of going about it. I wonder how big they're going to build with it or if it's just going to become played out and annoying soon. Well, um, I mean, it's it's the same thing as Tyler Breeze. He, Tyler Breeze already did this gimmick, so they're basically just like, do the Tyler Breeze gimmick. Remember the selfie you're, stick? You're right. Yeah. Did not even think about that. Hopefully they give Theory more because uh, he's great. Tyler Breeze is great too, but... He was kind of already doing the gimmick in NXT when he got to WWE, so he's kind of stuck with it. Whereas Austin Theory, you don't have to have this be his only thing. No, this could just be him being a dick. All right, so we had a tag team championship match. RK Bro beat Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. We kind of already went over it. Uh, pretty good match, and, you know, Dolph uh, fucking bounced around like a goddamn uh, bouncing ball. That was terrible. Sorry. <laughs> he, he's a moon ball damn it he's got, he's got a family <laughs> yep that's it all right fatal four-way ladder match at the end of it uh this was fun man um <laughs> so a powerbomb to owens uh, drove mysterio through a table and eliminate him from the equation uh equally devastating powerbomb by rollins to a table erase any chance ko had 
in getting the contract, while a stomp to Balor ended the night in disappointment. Uh, Rollins engaged Big E uh, after the match. Yeah, that's right. So that, then Seth got it and won, and we had Big E come out and Seth doing that annoying fucking Joker laugh uh, that he does, and uh, Big E just talking shit to him. So, But this match was awesome. I mean, you're going to have a ladder match. They're going to be good, I would say, just because of how just ridiculous and crazy. But, dude, just like the women's match on NXT, like, ugh, I don't know how they don't get, especially Kevin Owens, I don't know how the fuck they don't get killed in half this shit. But um, if you're going to have four guys or five guys going at it, no, no, four guys going at it, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Rey Mysterio, Kevin Owens, good shit. Uh, Kevin Owens also said something on Twitter after this that was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on, but we'll talk about that. I have that pulled up. Um, but I, I really like the ladder match. It was fun. Rey Mysterio can do, still do some fucking crazy shit and take a beating. Um, yeah, and I think it makes sense to go Seth against Big E. I think that we can have a pretty good feud with that. Um, what did you think, Chris? I think Owens took a lot of big bumps for a company he's about to leave. Yep. Uh, no, no. I mean, it, like I said, going into this, I kind of had Rollins pinned as the person who was going to win because Balor just had a tag match or a title match and lost. Right. Owens isn't going to win. Mysterio is not going to win. Owens is going to die, uh, which is what happens in this match. And uh, so Rollins winning here is probably the right call. It's I don't know. It'll be interesting to see him versus Big E. That should be a really good match. Yep. I hope, so, I hope Big E goes to do the dive on the outside. And Seth, if you're listening, when Big E goes to do that spear on the outside, hit him with a curb stomp as he comes down. That'd be fucking legit. Oh, that would be awesome. Or a knee, but yeah, if he can get the curb stomp, that would be cool as shit. But, um, so, that'll be that'll be great, man. So am I looking into this too much? Kevin Owens right afterwards said, I really don't know what to say other than thank you. Uh, all for your continued support and kind words. It really means a lot. The day I stop giving my absolute all in that ring is the day I walk away. Not a second sooner. P.S. Rey Mysterio is the best. Is 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 he kind of getting written off? Or was that just him being Kevin Owens on Twitter? I think that's Kevin Owens saying, look, I know I'm not long for this company, but I'm still going to go out here and throw myself through a bazillion fucking ladders for you fans. That's how I took it. Cause he loves you. Cause he loves you. Kevin, Kevin Owens loves you. He loves his family. He loves his kitty cats and he loves you as fans. <laughs> that should be his new gimmick. Love, love Steen love. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, that's how I took it is that he knows what's happening. And we kind of saw, well, Moxley wasn't really on Twitter during this time period. And still kind of, he still isn't really. Um, but, I mean, all signs are pointing to Kevin Owens is fucking gone. Right? Yeah, unless he was planning only going to Ring of Honor, then that might have changed uh, things. Which I, I don't see that, that That was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless they were going to, like, make him head booker and give him fucking more oh! scroll, scroll money. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that's uh, obviously that's not going to happen. So uh, he's a EW bound. He wants to go hang out with Adam, Adam Cole, baby, again, I'm sure. Hell, yeah. 
All right. Well, that was raw. I thought it was fine. You know, some really good stuff. I like that last match. Uh, we got some of the stuff that seems the same in the tag division, but with such small fucking tag division, just like the women's belt and just like what they're doing with the women's tag belt, I think could really just, you could just make it where they're, they have these tag teams, they have these tag teams, but the champions go back and forth and it creates more feuds and makes it a little bit more meaningful, but that's fine. Um, other than that, uh, like Damian Priest, his direction, I actually like Keith Lee in his direction. Uh, the women's, uh, like we said, definitely has some big top names, but other than that, a smaller division compared to SmackDown and then vice versa with the men's, but Raw was good. I just don't know if it can keep my attention for three hours, regardless if they recycle and have some new fucking faces on it, Chris. I think that they should go back to where the matches are a little longer, which they did towards the end of the show, obviously, with the ladder match. Um, but these, like, three-minute throwaway matches, squash matches, essentially, like the Carmella match, the Keith Lee match, the... God, I don't remember how long the T-Bar match was, but it wasn't that long. And the Dewdrop match was, like, three minutes. It, it's just a bunch of not wrestling to build up to one main event which is i guess it's fine but it's a three-hour fucking show like fit some more wrestling on your product exactly yeah rk bro was great as always and uh the four-way ladder match was great but i mean when you look at the names involved in this there's no way it could have been bad yeah um i kind of like where they're going with keith lee i hate the bearcat name but it was a squash match. So they're going to have to give him like an actual opponent soon. Like he beat Cedric Alexander. Are they building up to him versus because they put the hurt business back together? Do you think they did that just to get him versus um, Bobby Lashley? Hmm. That could be it. Yeah, I could see that happening. That would be a fun fucking stare down. I'm down for Keith Lee and Bobby Lashley, but I'm also, Tempted to say that since he's a heel and Bobby Lashley's a heel, if MVP ever fucking comes back, and I really don't think it's a bad thing to try to like make the hurt business more of a unit, they could even have it where if you know you have certain amount of matches with Bobby Lashley, and on the last one, if Bobby Lashley beats Keith Lee, he's gonna join the hurt business because he could be a really good fucking addition to that and be your mid card tag team or mid card champion out of that and try to get all the belts, or that's the goal of the Hurt Business. But um, I don't know. I said the same thing about Amos. Uh, but just uh, if you're saying match Keith Lee and Bobby Lashley, yeah, I, that give me that. Give me that right now in my mouth. Yep. I, I would be down with that if, if that's where they end up going. Because, I mean, if they are going the route of, like, a Mark Henry push, it, he doesn't – I mean, even though he's a heel, he doesn't have to – it doesn't – heel versus heel doesn't necessarily matter because he's a monster. Yeah, kind of thing, you know, so if, if that's where they're going, I'd be cool with that, especially because they have them going through the hurt business right now. Yep. So, so, uh, yeah, when MVP comes back, what if he just switches sides and he's like, yo, sorry, Bobby, he's my guy now. <laughs> that would be awesome, too. Uh, which you should, cool you should book for uh, Raw. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you just pointed out yeah, maybe Keith needs a manager. 
well, the fucking best manager on Raw right now, unless you're going to make Selena Vega, well, even then she wouldn't be the best manager. She'd be a good manager, uh, would be MVP. Absolutely. But uh, Big E was also great on this as champ. I do want to say that. Uh, He just, it was very subtle promo stuff for the most part. I think the back and forth between him and Rollins was okay. And uh, him versus Rollins, that should be a really, really fun match. I agree with you, man. Well, let's uh, travel to Wednesday night. Let's talk about uh, Dynamite. Thought this was a pretty good episode. We'll get over to stuff I, I don't know, I'm questionable about when we get to the Cody promo. Um, start off with a fucking banger. CM Punk, Bobby Fish. These guys have gone gone against each other back when they were younger, obviously. Both being around the same independent scene, Ring of Honor, and whatnot. And both older. But, um, and also both of them, Bobby specifically was part of the, the same class as Tomas Ciampa and, um, which we call it Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch, uh, for learning specifically from Harley race. And we all know that CM Punk, uh, respected the shit out of him and learned a lot of advice from him. Um, so, you know. Good match between two dudes that just are, I, I, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Punk's statement recently that pe- a lot of people and, I, and my favorite wrestler is Shawn Michaels. And I didn't take it that offensive because I don't because I have a fucking backbone sometimes with shit. Um, but everyone getting pissed off and been out of shape when CM Punk said, I used to be a Shawn Michaels fan. I still am. But when you get older, you realize it's better to model yourself off of Bret Hart because, you know, he can make the fight look better. And I think that that's what he's applying and slowing it down and not trying to be a high flyer because he wasn't graceful about it at all, I think has turned this modern version to CM Punk into a great storyteller in the ring. He's always had good storytelling. He's always had great promos. But when it comes to the matches, sometimes it's great, but it usually has a lot to do with the other person. But I think this slowed down, more technical version of Punk is really good. Um, And I like that it started off with him coming out and getting pissed off about Bobby Fish, uh, you know, taking advantage of, I believe it was Matt Seidel and beating the crap out of him after he beat him and no music just ran out and was like, Hey man, Hey motherfucker, let's go. Like you want to fucking take advantage of someone that's on the ground. And that led up to this match. And I thought that they both had an excellent match. And, uh, I punk is nailing to go to sleep out of nowhere in certain positions. And he did the same thing, uh, using, uh, Fish's momentum against him. And yeah, it was, I thought it was a really entertaining match. Um, I, I love that Punk can get that the people like him so much that he can do three body slams and get a reaction to doing a corkscrew over the fucking ropes. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's how I feel about that, Chris. What do you think about this first match? Well, I want to say like his comparison of Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart only holds weight if you're only talking about like 96, 97, because Shawn Michaels slowed his style way down when he came back. Yeah, I think he's talking about when he was a kid, so I'm assuming like it would have been that 96 era. Like, who do you originally model after compared to, you know, who he tries to act like now in the ring? Okay, well, my my thoughts would be Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Those are perfectly paced matches and some of the best matches of all time. So yep. to me, as a Shawn Michaels fan, that's a little disrespectful to what he's talking about, which is changing the way you wrestle as you get older, which is exactly what Shawn Michaels did. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, but whatever, punk's punk, and uh, he did get body slams over, <laughs> which is fucking wild. They fucking went crazy. I was like, holy shit. But body I mean, slams. I think they were obviously hyped to see Bobby Fish, and uh, this was a great match, man. Good build up. CM Punk's had some good matches since he came back. Still not my favorite in-ring worker, but he's... It's just really, really fucking funny. He's working a very WWE, Triple H style of match since yep. he came back, and it's working. Which, that would probably piss him off, but he is doing a very old-school wrestling. Maybe I should compare it more to Harley Race, but it's slowed down. I mean, it's not that slowed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, it's... It's uh, I don't know. He's been good since coming back. I, I've liked Punk. I am a little over the uh, I love everybody gimmick, which I think a lot of fans are over, unless you're in the building. But, uh, well, this 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 feud they're setting up that we're going to talk about that was set up last night on Rampage with him and Eddie Kingston should be fucking awesome. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, well... Uh, that's going to be a, just a straight fucking brawl, but <laughs> Jesus. Uh, hey, punk. I mean, my love for punk has went through many, many iterations. Like when punk was in ring of honor and I saw him wrestle Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, huge punk fan. Thought he was great. Goes to WWE. He's wrestling Jeff Hardy with the long hair. Thought he was great. He goes into the mic drop thing. Think his promos are great. Think his in ring work is kind of boring. Now I'm kind of in this weird spot where I like have a better appreciation for what he's doing in the ring, considering his age and, and the different people he's working with and less of an appreciation for him on the mic. So it's like the CM Punk level for me has <laughs> fluctuated <laughs> so much over his career. I still like the guy, uh, but I, I can by no means say that like CM Punk would even be in my top 30 favorite wrestlers. And that's probably going to piss a lot of listeners off, but uh, it is what it is to each their own. Him and Bobby Fish look great in this match. It was a good opening match. Um, I don't know how I feel about the rest of the show as we, we go along here. Yeah. Well, this next part I like, but yeah, I do agree with you. It kind of grows uh, in a different direction. Uh, MJF comes out. He has some jobber named Donovan. He beats. He drops him on his head like twice and then pins him with just his his, his boot on his chest just to be a dick heel gets the three count uh sting comes out you know there's a little bit of snow um they go back and forth on the mic you know this is we didn't talk about obviously the the dynamite on saturday beforehand but scathing promo from mjf saying talking about you know how he's going to put darby in a wheelchair like lex luth you know your buddy lex and before he could get it uh, out of his mouth, Sting attacked him, and then they just jumped Sting and beat the crap out of him. So Sting's there, uh, you know, going back and forth with him, and then he gets out of the ring, and as the Invisible Man, Darby Allen is in the audience, takes off the mask and everything, attacks MJF, and uh, we're going to have them at full gear, and uh, I think it's going to be an awesome match. These guys are kind of perfect for each other, uh, size-wise, you know, skill-wise, being over in the company, great heel, great baby face. Uh, Sting being involved in the pinnacle also, especially with these new things with Wardlow. This is actually one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most at Full Gear, Chris. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you here, and I'm sure I'll be watching it with my niece who went as Darby Allen for Halloween. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we'll be going again. She's a huge Darby fan, so we'll be cheering against this villainous MJF who she absolutely hates. So that'll be fun if he gets the win. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. But uh, the Invisible Man, that was great. I, I like an old throwback costume. I didn't know what the hell they did with this video package, though. Did you get whatever was going on? Oh, yeah. Package? It was basically Darby Allen, I guess, beating the crap out of MJ. I don't know, man. He's weird. He's uh, like trying to go Tim Burton, I guess, with this shit. Yeah, some of his video packages are really great. This one, I just can It went over my fucking head, I guess. I, he was at some kind of concert and beat up a guy wearing an MJF mask. And I was like, you can just buy MJF masks? <laughs> That's who I want to be as Halloween. <laughs> the most evil, shitty person of all time, MJF. Uh, I'm sure he would take that as a compliment. But this was fun. I, I like Sting showing up and putting in fucking work. And uh, Darby coming as the Invisible Man, that was dope. The I, Do we need fucking the uh, thumbtack skateboard, though, <laughs> on Wardlow? Oh, dude, Wardlow's back afterwards. Holy shit. Uh, y'all couldn't have gimmicked to that a little bit? <laughs> like, poor guy. <laughs> but Agreed. whatever. Uh, I thought this was fun. This leads up to probably my favorite match of the night, honestly. <laughs> so... Yeah. All right. Well, we had the uh, the TNT championship match on the line. Sammy Guevara going against all ego, all ego Ethan Page. Sammy loses. Not only does he lose his belt, he's going to loot or leave um, uh, the inner circle. And if Ethan loses and they have a match um, where they get to make the condition for it, uh, a 10 man, you know, tag match at full gear so uh good match between both guys i think the craziest thing that fucking sammy did was he did a shooting star press to the outside with a standing opponent i thought ethan was great as a heel in this i thought they both beat the living hell out of each other sammy is over as hell um at one part we had a what what, what do we have um I missed my fucking thing, my notes. Page delivered a sidewalk slam on the top rope. Uh, Just a lot of good spots, and obviously Sammy won. Uh, You know, we had uh, Scorpio Sky come to the ring, but was cut off with all members of Undisputed Era saving, and uh, Jericho named the match. It's going to be a 10-man Minneapolis street fight. Where the fuck does he get these from? He just pulls him out of Minneapolis street fight. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And uh, we'll talk about what five people from top team. Obviously, two of them are Ethan Page and and, uh, and uh, Scorpio Sky. But who could be the last three a part of this street fight? Ten man Minneapolis street fight, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> I would love so much if all of Inner Circle just dread like wears like Kurt Hitting's gear for this Minneapolis street fight. <laughs> uh it's not gonna happen but that'd be incredible this is a good match i really really enjoyed it and now thinking back this was not my favorite match of the night because we haven't got to the sheeta match Um, yeah which was fucking phenomenal but this was a really really good match they're building sammy as a top guy man they really are quickly and uh he 
he fits the bill. I think he's looked great in everything they've put him in so far. So we'll see if he is ready. I guess he's going to get Scorpio next, right? Well, after I'm going to assume they're going to do the Tin Man, but then Scorpio Sky would be next. That would be awesome. They would have some great matches, man. Also, Jericho running as hard as he can to make the save was the best thing ever. They look like a basketball team coming out of the fucking locker room. <laughs> How long has it been since we've seen Jericho in a full sprint? Not a lot. I don't know if they missed a cue or something, but Jericho is hustling <laughs> down to the ring. Yes, he is. Uh, shout out to Jericho. We love you, bud. You're still Hell here. yeah. So we got three guys that are going to be involved, obviously, on the other side. I feel like they're going to give Dos Santos, Junior Dos Santos, uh, another chance. I feel like uh, one of them is probably going to be uh, Jorge Masvidal. Who's the third person? Why don't we put Paige Van Zant in? Let her be a part of the fucking street fight. That'll be fun. Uh, Maybe it's going to be a mystery person. Maybe it's going to be Andrea Larsky. I don't know. I have no clue. Um, Who used to be an American top team in Impact? Maybe they're going to do something there. Was Moose there? No, uh, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, Lashley. Well, that's off the table, obviously. Um, The Jorge Masvidal stuff is interesting just because he's under contract with UFC. So they would have had to get an okay from Dana White to have him in a match. Yeah. He's he's still a UFC top star, right? How about Amanda Nunez? I know she's also contracted, but. um, I mean, if she's just going to be in their roundhouse kicking motherfuckers, then it'll be a very I could see her fucking fucking up her or Paige Van Zandt. I mean, that'd be uh, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, But. Yeah, I feel like all the shit with, uh, you know, um, Jorge Masvidal doing the need of Jericho and all that, that he's probably got to be included in that. And then we've already seen Junior Dos Santos involved, uh, who I believe is still contracted with uh, with uh, UFC in general. I I think Tony said he has a good relationship with UFC on uh, Busted Open, but I could be wrong. What if they just grabbed two random people from Ring of Honor? (laughs) I mean, they could. I mean, this, open contract. This is, they can work wherever they want. This is probably going to look. This is probably going to look like shit, though. I'm going to be honest with you. This is. There's a good chance that this could be a clusterfuck of ridiculousness, because you have inexperience and you have a street fight, and it's ten fucking people. It's gonna. Be, they're gonna cinematic this thing just like they did the Jacksonville Stadium thing. Would be my guess. But whoever, like, whoever the the three other people are besides Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, it should be a. It's at least going to be fucking entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I I do think they're going to try to do it cinematic like they did with Sting and Darby versus uh, Team Taz or the Jacksonville thing. Just because they're going to have to cover up like the fact that Mastival can't fucking actually hit people. <laughs> we saw that working punch the other week. Yeah, no shit. Um, but uh, if they're just hitting people with trash cans and shit, it's not going to matter. It's just going to look like, you know, a lot of shit happening at the same time, which is my guess. I don't know that. Uh, so Jericho's who's Jericho's team is going to be him and Sammy. Pride I guess and him, Sammy and pride and powerful. Yeah. And then I guess because that Jack can Swagger. give if they wanted to Jack Swagger come out and interfere 
but I get or maybe something because maybe uh, they have uh, their team, um, American Top Team, and then uh, what's his name? Arlovsky tries to get involved, but he's obviously not. He can't. He's not ready enough for a match, but they can have him come out and then. To make the save, you have that and just include them or some shit. Well, it's five people, right? So Jericho, Sammy, the, the Jack Swagger. Sorry, I can't remember his. No, yeah, name. you're right. So yeah, it would be and it would be Pride and Powerful. Pride and right? powerful. So that's all five of them, and then like I said, Scorpio Sky, uh, Ethan Page, Junior Dos Santos. Probably Jorge Masvidal, and then we don't know who the fifth could be. It's, but, fucking, it's just gonna be Ken Shamrock. <laughs> that would be fucking nuts. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that'd be great. He's, like, he's not a part of this team, but I, I called in a favor. That seems like some shitty <laughs> stuff that team would do. Maybe it's Mike Tyson. He comes out smiling at uh, Chris Jericho. Well, I mean, <laughs> Tyson's gonna do something with the inner circle at some point i don't know how long they're saving this but like he kind of joined the inner circle and i thought they were building to it here like i said it should be interesting to see whatever the fuck they do but uh it's don't expect it to be scientific you know (laughs) yeah i mean well at least they made it like a street fight match so at least it'll be something fun to watch i guess yep all right, uh, let's move to another awesome match, uh, TBS Championship match, Kurashida, Serena Deeb, and Cheetah was fucking pissed. That's all I got to say. And they were able <laughs> hey, to really show that. Hey, Dane, do you like Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero? Exactly. Like, <laughs> Have I got the or maybe, <laughs> Or maybe like a Dean Malenko Ultimo Dragon fucking style, but Jesus. They channeled a lot with these back-and-back pins towards the end of this match. And, yes. Uh, and even the Eddie Guerrero spot where Deep throws the trophy to Sheeta. <laughs> yes. It's It was great. I loved it. The only thing I have to say, a lot of these wins, it seems like, unless I'm wrong, Guevara, this, and I believe at least these two matches were both roll-ups. Don't do what Raw does! The The number one De- most deadliest move in all of sports entertainment is a fucking roll up. So just, uh, but it made sense for these two matches, especially with Sheeta. I really thought Serena Deep was going to get it again, Chris, and she finally got her 50th win. And uh, now we're going to have a rubber match. I'm assuming that we could possibly have by itself at the pay per view. Yeah, I mean, that should be a great match. I mean, the first match was good, this one was even better. Yep. I can't imagine if they're saving stuff for the third one, how good that's going to be. Because it seems like Deeb and Sheeta, they're they have great chemistry together, and they're slowly building whatever this feud is going to be. I loved this figure four ring post spot, and then she just put the single leg Boston Crab on as well. Like, dude, Serena Deeb's fucking great. Like, well, great. and I like how they called that out. They're like, who the fuck was on commentary, and that that was like, oh wow, she's even wearing the same colors. Oh, it's Tony. When JR goes, this is very reminiscent of Bret Hart, who used to do this. And yeah. I just realized, oh, she is wearing black and purple. But, yeah, Deeb's a fucking monster, man. She is. And she'd look great in this match, too. And I think that... Yep. Ferocious, man. 
She looks good in matches where other wrestlers are good. <laughs> I think yep. Serena just looks good in any match you throw her in so far, as far as what I've seen. So maybe that, you know, that's just difference in the kind of wrestling. But this was really, really fun. I like what they've done with this 50th win trophy with Serena turning heel. It's a good storyline, especially just for it being two matches. I mean, I want to see them wrestle more. And on Raw, for instance, they give us the same match 100 times. And I just don't want to ever see it again. So at least they're doing that right. Well, there's one extreme or the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, Jerry Lynn, Jerry Lynn spotting. <laughs> he showed up to break up the attack at the end of the match. Yeah, which is she's fun. she's full heel, man. It's great. Um, all right, so we had the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Are, are they going to do the same thing with Orange Cassidy? Is that what they're building up? Because fucking Moxley just came out. He beat the shit out of Preston Vance, who's a much bigger dude. I mean, Preston got a little bit more offense uh, than his last fight against, I forgot what the uh, the guy's name is, um, part of the best friends, but where he just came out, beat him in 10 seconds, and fucking left. But this being a part of the Eliminator gauntlet, Moxley just destroyed him, tried to rip his fucking mask off his head, uh, even was biting his head and blooding him up, and then gave him the paradigm shift, and that was it, and just stomped the fuck out of there. So we're getting a very intense Moxley. Uh, he would also have a promo in which he talked about, he's like, you know, I don't care about the fucking, the belt. I don't, I don't care about fucking any of this, but this is how I bring bread to my family. And I do give a shit about my daughter who I can put my pinky out and she grabs it with all of her might. And like, you know, it, I don't think it was necessarily a heel promo, but Moxley's intensity has been turned up. And I really think that we're going to have an awesome finals match between him and Daniel Bryan now that uh, Bryan beat uh, Eddie Kingston and is advancing. But, uh, yeah, man, this was, uh, this, this was uh, John Moxley. <laughs> he's, he's intense, very intense. Moxley's got to be OC first, right? Yeah, but I don't see Orange Cassidy winning. I mean, I could be wrong, but, you know, Moxley's pretty fucking aggressive right now. I think that he'll murder orange cassidy afterwards if cassidy somehow wins well moxley's turning i think moxley's turning heel so him he could orange be cassidy shows like that will set because orange cassidy is not going to beat daniel bryanson or brian danielson whatever you want to sorry brian the american fucking dragon i don't think <laughs> moxley is going to beat him so you could have orange cassidy just win that match and that be your next feud, which is just Moxley absolutely killing Orange Cassidy for a few weeks. Because it, it's not going to hurt Orange Cassidy. It's not going to hurt Moxley, um, especially if you're turning him heel. But from everything he's been doing the past few weeks, it does seem like Moxley is turning heel, which is weird. Does him and Eddie Kingston meet on opposite sides of the ring with babyface well, Kingston and heel moxley at some point hmm. were we seeing somewhat of a heel turn with eddie kingston last night i mean he fucking snapped he wouldn't uh you know give a handshake to to brian danielson we're going to talk about the promo that he cut actually i'll just bring it up right now uh, brian danielson kind of was being a dick to start that match so i mean i guess it depends on <laughs> how you get well we it. we had the promo building up to it in which you know uh eddie uh Brian Danielson said that Eddie doesn't work as hard or whatever, and he fucking got in his face during a promo and said, you know, 
I have to take Zoloff every fucking day so I don't go off the deep end. If you want me to go off the deep end, blah, blah, blah. And then it went back to Brian Danielson. And he's like, you know, you're not the only one who's dealt with stuff like that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it, it got very tense and heated because it really looked like they just kind of he brought that up in a fucking promo. And then, you know, so just just that happening afterwards, no handshake, getting out of there and then getting in CM Punk's face. You know, it just uh, both guys seem like they're very pissed. Moxley and uh, Kingston. Yes. And that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. God, when's the last time we well, I guess the last match we've seen Brian in like that was that strap match against Bray. Yeah, which was a good match. I mean, probably Bray's best match, I would say, as a, when he was the fiend, at least. Yep. I, I can't wait to see Eddie Kingston go full Terry Funk again. It makes me smile every time. Hell yeah! All right, so here's the uh, the moment we've been wanting to talk about. <sighs> All right, so he did come out and get the best part of the dynamite on Saturday beforehand, uh, making the save. And, you know, uh, the crowd actually was, was behind Cody during this time. Well, not so much this time after beating Malachi, we, 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 God damn it, dude. I just, so I was telling you, Chris, if, if Cody would, and he, he, yeah, he acknowledges it during this promo. If Cody were to have embraced it instead of doing the fairy tale ending, whatever the fuck you want to call it, the one that him and that Kenny and Tommaso Ciampa do, instead of doing that, you know, he had, he had him locked and it was like, oh, is he about to do the fucking pedigree? If Cody beats him because of all this fucking interaction and Arn Anderson coming in and everyone, you know, interfering basically in the match totally painting him as a heel and he embraced it and we had right on his face like a little smile and then he did the pedigree to malachi and beat him that way i'm down i'm fine because i think that's the right thing to do but him coming out and saying that he thought about it for a split second but he's not going to do that he's not going to turn he's not going to turn on his fans even if they don't like him he loves them blah 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 like does he really think this is going to work? Why does he think he's turning on his fans by hitting a pedigree? Well, because it represents it represents Triple H and everything he's not supposed to be and all that type of shit. What did Justin Incredible used to call it? Maybe if he calls it that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I. I don't <laughs> believe that was the point of it. I think that like he even admitted like. That could have been a direction that he went, but he decided at the last minute not to, and it's because he loves everyone. You know, as as uh, Andrade said, like, no one fucking likes you. What the hell are you doing? And then Malachi and him attacked him, and Pac came out and saved him. So I just don't – I'd embrace it, the heel turn. I know he doesn't want to, but I don't know why the fuck he's not. The fans That's- fucking popped so hard when he had him for the pedigree, and then he did – basically what you would expect someone to do in wwe just not give the fans that exactly like that's not what you want to do if you're trying to get them back on your side so are they turning him heel also does that just mean that it's going to be him versus the bastard pack which is i'm fine with that but pox coming out to make the save he's gonna have to fight all these guys i'm scared they're gonna fucking do andrade and and malachi versus cody and pock that'd be good match here 
I, I'm fine with that, but I think that you can do more with Malachi for the big pay-per-view. I still want more Andrade versus Orange Cassidy after seeing them in the ring together for like two minutes. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think they're going to do that on a pay-per-view. They'll probably do that building up to it, right? They're going to have to do this tag match now. But yeah, the Cody promo, he drowned. I mean, he said everything positive you'd want to say as a babyface. It's just, yeah, also kind of gave the fans a teaser doing something awesome and took it away because the fans see you as the anti triple H guy. You did that. He did that. That's on him now. So for him not to do triple H's move, like tease it, not do it. Yeah. The fans are not going to necessarily like you in the building, man. You're the one that smashed the throne with a sledgehammer. That's on you. So if you don't want to do a pedigree, or if you're going to tease a pedigree, fans are going to see that as you being a fucking heel. Like, you don't want to turn that way. But, hey, turns out, as much as Triple H gets shit, a lot of people grew up watching Triple H and like Triple H. Yeah. They don't want to say it. But there's nostalgic memories there, <laughs> deeply embedded he's in like, their minds. He's like NSYNC. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 just one of those, well, I don't know if he's like NSYNC. Maybe like, you know, Metallica, <laughs> like all the way up to the black album and after that which i'm sure triple h would get a kick out of that <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i don't know man the fans turned as soon as he dropped the arms and didn't do the pedigree they fucking turned on him so hard <laughs> there was like a shock to that fucking pop that he got when he almost did the pedigree it was like oh you know, and he didn't do it. Like I said, if he would have smiled at the camera and just did the pedigree and embrace the heel turn, because I know he said in interviews he doesn't want to become a heel. He doesn't want to do that. When the fuck is Cody within his career? And he was great as a baby face. And then because of stuff that he did outside of it, the fans turned on him. And it's like you were a great heel in Ring of Honor during that transition. You were a heel in fucking legacy. You were a heel by yourself. When you got your fucking face smashed and you wear the goddamn mask, you were healed as Stardust. When the fuck has Cody ever been a successful babyface? Like, I don't hey, understand why the, he's like so much. Of, the beginning of AEW. But he like the enough face in the world. Like, yeah, but besides that, like enough to be like, that's what I, that's all I want from the audience. Like trying to like sacrifice yourself as like a fucking John Cena, basically. Like, come I mean, on. I think if you had hit the pedigree, it would have made him more of a baby yeah. face than a heel, which is maybe, it could why have. He, maybe that's why he didn't do it. Because people have been like, oh, he's taking a shot at Triple H, so he's he's still our guy. Because a lot of people still, I mean, I we are technically in a wrestling war, but a lot of people still look at stuff like that and they go, oh, you know. Like oh, yeah. If, you know, anytime someone hits an RKO or some shit, people are going to be like, oh, that's funny. Uh, I think you're overthinking it a little bit, but uh, the pedigree has only really been two people to, well, three, I guess, if you include Seth, who was under the tutelage of Triple H during the time. Exactly. It's just, it's just been Triple H and, and just incredible. Um, Stevie Ray. Did he do a pedigree? Did he? I don't know, because Stevie Ray had such bad matches after he broke up, and then you get the fucking GI bro back, and like, ah, oh, goddammit, WCW. But he was the leader of the NWO at one point. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Stevie Ray. I love Stevie Ray to death, and I love Harlem Heat, but man, uh, him without Booker. Whew. 
some rough, let's say, let's say 98 to 2000. There's some rough Stevie Ray matches out there. So if I blocked a lot of that on my memory, don't hate me. I mean, Stevie Ray brought in uh, Ahmed Johnson to be the yeah. actual Booker T, and then Booker T lost his name and had. And Ahmed up. looked like at that point that he ate Yokozuna. God. See, see what I'm saying? <laughs> so it, yep. I'm, if Stevie Ray did do the pedigree, I'm sorry, add, add one more person, but I wouldn't consider it. It's, it's just incredible. Or Triple H, just incredible. And then Seth Rollins, those are the three people I think of. So if Cody hit it, I think the fans would have fucking popped for it. And maybe that's, maybe that was part of him being a heel. I mean, if this is just all him turning heel, then it's actually smarter than we think, but it's, I don't know. It's like, uh, they keep trying to turn him back babyface, but it's it's becoming very Roman Reigns, which is hilarious. AEW has their own Roman Reigns here. See, well, AEW also has AEW also has their own sports entertainment Halloween themed ending. Um, oh, God, we I, got you hated this, right? I fucking hated it. Okay, so did you hear what actually happened with the Young Bucks costume switch? No, what happened? So originally they were going to do Squid Games costumes Mm. and TNT put a kibosh on it. So at the last minute, they decided they were going to do Ghostbusters. (laughs) So they like call up the sound guy. They're like, hey, we need you to remix a song of Ghostbusters (laughs) like day of. What? So that's where the song came from, I guess. So this guy was like working to finish the song like right before the show apparently and they just had to go get new costumes because they had set up to do something squid games because it's current which i i mean to me more people know about ghostbusters than squid games so you probably should have went ghostbusters anyways um that being said i didn't know if you had heard that i heard that today listening to brian alvarez talk about this and i was like well (laughs) that's crazy that's pretty cool uh, um the costumes and stuff this match didn't bother me as much as it, the, the match itself didn't bother me that much. You had a you seem to hate this more than I did. Um, there's definitely spots I hate it. They did a Ninja Turtle spot in this match, which I absolutely fucking hated. With the but, proton uh, packs, definitely remember that one. Uh, Ugh, God, so. plastic <laughs> proton packs. <laughs> I love the ending though. The big reveal after all this silly fucking stupid shit and them. Like they, they—it's not like they were costumed. They were also using, like we said, the fucking proton packs and stupid shit like that involved in the goddamn match. Rick Knox is still the worst fucking referee on the goddamn planet. Um, which is geez. easily solved if they just show him hanging out with the elite. Like I've said a bazillion times. Yeah, it's, and that's fine. It, it makes it a hell of a lot easier uh, if they do, <laughs> were to do that. It really would, because then it would make sense. But. Uh, I don't know, man. This was this was so silly and stupid, and it was a dark order. And the big reveal at the end, Brandon Cutler running out, revealing that he's not the fucking uh, the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and then that to reveal as Adam Page, him just destroying and helping the win for the Dark Order, which the Dark Order beat the fucking elite, and then Page struggled for about I don't know five minutes trying to look tough with the Dark Order, dressed the way they're fucking dressed, and can't get the goddamn costume off his his cowboy boots. So um, if this was on Monday Night Raw, people would shit all over this. That's all I got to say. 
I, I people did shit all over this, even not on Monday Night Raw. There's like a split audience. I think it's like, how much do you love the Ghostbusters? That's how. Hey, I, I love it. the fucking Ghostbusters. <laughs> Don't you even say that, okay? <laughs> it was also if if you think that. God damn it! I'm not gonna get into it. I will say that uh, out of Stu Grayson and Tommaso Ciampa, since we didn't bring it up, it's the same shit. Uh, they both looked really cool as Kratos, but I think that Stu Grayson gets the uh, the little nod uh, for a better costume. I mean, Ciampa's the fucking better wrestler, so he gets the nod, in my opinion. <laughs> had the better match, so. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It was fine. Like, they wanted to do a big Halloween thing. They did a big Halloween thing. It's, it's whatever. Fucking I mean, elite, it's... man. It just makes Adam pay or Adam Cole look fucking stupid. It's like, I love Kenny, and I like the Bucks a lot, too, but this new iteration of them, it's like they're taking down Adam Cole a couple pegs to me. Acting well, like this and, and doing stupid shit like this. Until he fucking turns on him, right? And then that's fine. Yeah, exactly. If that's so, the case... Because, I mean, Hangman's getting this fucking title. Yep. So I hope I, so. I liked him pulling off the Stay Puff. He hits the dead shot. He hits all of his moves in that big ass costume. Like you said, he's trying to get the some bitch off. He can't get it off. He's still hitting moves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I want to know what the Squid Games costumes were, though. <laughs> would it have been all of them dressed as like the guards, and then Kenny would have been dressed as like the Doctor Doom guy looking one. I I guess, but then what do you do? I guess well, Hangman would have had to been the Doctor Doom looking guy, right? Because you would still be doing the same ending spot. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe he could have gotten it off his fucking feet, though. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, that was the little caveat behind this match, apparently, is TNT's like, nah, we can't be doing that Squid Games. We ain't trying to get out out here trying to get sued by Netflix. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good idea. Not (laughs) smart business-wise. But yeah, so it was was fine. I mean, it wasn't whatever. just, Just the Dark Order. You're the Dark Order got. I just feel like elite. <laughs> I, ju- I just feel like to throw into it, they should have had Santino Morella uh, a part of it. He'd been perfect, and maybe uh, Hornswoggle. Um, I think they should have had like Colt Cabana dress as CM Punk. That'd have been fucking. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I liked Evil Uno dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> I was. And the horses were the other two members that he was riding at the beginning of. That was pretty funny, but I'm I'm not laughing at this. No, fuck it. It's not as good as the auto match is what you're trying to say. No, no. (laughs) It was it was fine. It is not. You're right. If people want to shit on this, I 100% get it. I was a little drunk watching it, so maybe I enjoyed it. Maybe I enjoyed it more than I should have. But uh, (laughs) that's funny. Watching Hangman take off the stay puff head is what made the entire fucking match i mean the ending is what made the match the rest of it was just there when one thing too i mean i know that they like tagging together but i feel like we've been getting a lot of you know either four or three involved with those guys way too much and i would like it a little bit less if that's fucking possible you know put adam cole in some single matches standing with kenny Maybe a tag match with the fucking Young Bucks. I don't know. I'm just getting sick of the three ways with either the Young Bucks and Kenny or the Young Bucks and Adam, or maybe it's all four of them. 
just it's getting a little old for me man yeah i agree i mean it's at the same time kenny had two back-to-back big matches with daniel bryan and is injured that's a good point too so maybe they're trying to cover for him a little bit until or save his body until this hangman match because you know they're going to go fucking 30 minutes yeah whenever that match happens so but as far as adam cole goes like you could have done this you could have done a three-way uh, three-man match but i guess the costumes don't line up if you do that <laughs> or whatever um, I mean, the Halloween show for AEW is always just eh. At least we got yeah. the Cheetah match was good. We got the uh, the Punk and, and Fish match so that was good. It was I mean, it was probably my favorite show this week. Yeah, I think that that's a. I, I think I can agree with you on that for sure. But it, I could see why this match may have, may have turned some people off. Just considering the talent you have in the ring, you know. Well, it, with being Halloween, man, um, before we go to SmackDown, you know, the the contract for, for Mr. What is it? Um, is it? Uh, God dang it. I can't remember his name now. Husky Harris. Husky Harris, but his actually real name. His Rotondo, real name. Rotondo. It's, uh, yeah, but his uncle is, uh, fuck. Mike Rotondo is his uncle, right? No, okay. Mike Rotondo is his dad, so that's his last name, it's Rotondo, but his, his, uh, his uncle is the four horseman, the tall fucking redneck cowboy guy. Uh, god damn it. Why can't I remember this dude's Black name? Is Jack just... Mulligan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, know either. No, he's like that, though, damn it. Uh, Barry, uh. Barry Wyndham. Barry, it's Wyndham, Wyndham Rotunda. Wow, that was a lot for a fucking god damn it. Anyways, marijuana affects memory. Wyndham Rotunda uh is going to be a free agent. His last day actually is Halloween, the 31st. Uh after that, he can show up on something. Do we see him possibly showing up on AEW next week? Mm, well, see, this goes back to our original conversation because we thought he was done earlier. Because you thought he might show up on this show originally. Well, no. Remember what I said was if they wanted to do one of those uh, TNT specials on a Sunday night and do it on Halloween and have like their whatever, uh, then maybe he could show up on it. But it's the 31st is when he's done officially. So it'd have to be next week, I guess. If he were to. Yeah, so... Uh, does he show up next week? I don't know. Do you, do you push him into the middle of all the other shit they have going on? Um, if if it were me, if you can't do a Halloween themed thing, then what? Then fuck it. Have him show up at the uh, pay per view full gear. Which is what I was, I kind of alluded to to let some of this new die off of uh, Malachi and and Daniel Bryanson and CM Punk before you bring in another WWE guy. And if 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 uh, if Bray and fucking Jay show up at this next pay per view, that'll be two huge additions to the roster, for sure. And someone. Is it by Jay? You mean Switchblade? No, Jay. Uh, Jay Lethal. Oh yeah, yeah. The Black Machismo. Maybe they'll do another Halloween. They're just like fuck it. <laughs> another Halloween. <laughs> he just shows up. Well, do you, do you think that you could? I don't know, man. 
what does he do when he gets there? Could you position him against Malachi, or would you want to wait to do that? I mean, because Malachi has slowly become a babyface, sort of. Wait until Malachi gets done with his current storyline, and then have when he asks for the next challenger, then you have that be bright. If you're going to do it, that's what I would do. But interesting stuff, man. That that takes a that's going to take a little bit of time because I'm assuming they're going to build that out to Pack versus Malachi. Yeah. I don't know. And then MLW officially releases Mance Warner. He's another guy I could see showing up. All right, so let's start off. Uh, let's let's uh, leave all that type of stuff and move on. Uh, talking about SmackDown and last night in general with the both of their shows uh, with SmackDown and Rampage. But first, with SmackDown. So basically, it started off, Chris, uh, you know, since you didn't get a chance to watch, talking about the Shotzi Blackheart stuff. Charlotte came out. She, you know, said, who am I going to be going against? I'm the best here. You know, blase, blase, normal type of things like that. Sasha Banks comes out. She wants to oblige Charlotte's uh, comments, and uh, Charlotte's just like, look, I've beaten you every fucking time we've fought. Why the hell would I give you a chance? And she goes, this is going to be an open challenge. Pretty much any newcomer uh, come out, I'll give you a, a chance to, if you beat me, you got a title shot. So Shotzi comes out. She's ready to go against her. They have a match. It's a pretty damn good match between the two of them. Uh, Sasha, I don't know if it's supposed to be a baby face or a heel, but she's cheering Shotzi the whole entire time. I don't know if she just wanted Charlotte to lose, and that's why. But at the end of it, she kind of gets involved, and it trips up Shotzi, who has been very aggressive, doing a really good job against Charlotte throughout the whole entire match. And Charlotte gets a natural selection. So Charlotte leaves as, as, as champion, beating Shotzi. And afterwards, you know, Sasha's trying to apologize to Shotzi, and Shotzi kind of snaps on her and says that you're the reason why I lost and beat the living shit out of her. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to get the two of them in a program taking them out of the title shot. But this begs the question of what we were talking about. Who does Charlotte go for uh, next as a rival? I guess even though she's a tag champion, we could see Rhea uh, doing that. But um, who do you think? So I'm, I'm reading through the recap here. Shotzi's turning heel. Well, if Sasha if Sasha's still a heel, I don't I don't know what the fuck Sasha is. Cause Shotzi snapped on her, right? Yeah, and she yeah, she beat her down afterwards and said she was the reason why she lost the match. So Shotzi is turning heel, so the feud is gonna be Shotzi versus Sasha. And then yep. whoever wins that goes against Charlotte. And Charlotte's just gonna be there for a while. Possibly. That that's my best guess, just based off reading what happened. But uh, I mean, Sasha Banks is a heel. Just let her be a heel. <laughs> Way better heel. <laughs> like she should have beat down Sh- Shotzi, and then like, why do you even deserve a title shot? You didn't do anything in NXT. You're not a former champion. You have basically zero wins here. Like, that would be your setup, but uh, why would you take a fan favorite like Shotzi Blackheart and then make her a heel? I know Sasha is also a fan favorite to some extent, but 
Sasha's been a heel before and kind of already portrays a heel character and has been heel since coming back. So switching Shotzi is kind of weird if that's what they're doing, which I didn't see it. I'm only going off the uh, recap, but that's oh, it came off. It came off either way, like either she felt Sasha fucked her over and Sasha was kind of borderline. Like she kept on trying to interfere when Shotzi didn't want her to because she was trying to fuck over Charlotte. But we never knew exactly if 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 she was a healer baby face. It's just she was against Charlotte. So obviously Charlotte's a fucking heel. So I don't even know, man. It was very aggressive, though. She 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 uh, they made it a point to make Shotzi look like a monster throughout both the match and then afterwards when she attacked uh, Sasha. Weird. So three heels. Just going to pick which one's the baby face. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, remember, as Cody would say, no one's a baby face or heel anymore. It's just different degrees of different. Anyways. All right. So we had a knighting ceremony from King Woods, who was about to knight as his hand, Kofi Kingston. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Funny as hell. uh, The way that they sold it. I loved all the interaction. And then afterwards... You know, oh, beforehand they were in the back, and um, and uh, Hit Row actually was was there and giving them compliments, and then kind of freestyled them uh, of of how badass uh, you know King Xavier was. So I guess Hit Row are baby faces. I was kind of uh, curious which direction they were going to go, but anyways, they went to the ring, had the ceremony. He gave him a pin, and now officially, uh, you know, Kofi Kingston, uh, ex champion. He is now the hand of the king and uh, the Uso showed up and they kind of rekindled their rivalry. They were making fun of their outfits and shit. And uh, they said that they were going to have a match at the end of the night. So we'll get into what happened at that match. But has it been long enough? Because I think it has for me to have Uso's and the New Day, uh, you know, rekindle their rivalry especially in this scenario where it's kofi and xavier i think it's been long enough for me especially considering the rest of the tag team division on raw and smackdown and i mean honestly it's one of the best rivalries in modern days i would say with chemistry as well for tag teams yeah um i actually i loved xavier's king costume by the way it's amazing with the fucking cape (laughs) Uh, yeah, this seems like it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend watching the ceremony and then the match that they had afterwards. But, uh, Trick or Street Fight, ugh. Rick Boogs and Shinsuke versus, uh, Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. And, uh, just, um, we had, uh, Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza dressed as ghosts, um, interfering at the end of it. It was a street fight, so it didn't, you know, screw them over. But they attacked the baby faces, so I guess they're going to go after them. And Madcap Moss and um, Happy Corbin won. So uh, yeah, that was that was it. Um, if if you have nothing to say, you don't have to say it. Just uh, letting you know. We Just also looking had... at looking at these recap notes, this standing axe kick that Shinsuke is hitting on Baron looks incredible. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, really. And thanks, uh, Bleacher Report, for your awesome breakdowns of everything. But uh, yeah, just um, Shinsuke just can still kick. He must stretch a lot. That sounded weird. 
anyways, it's all, it's all this. It's all the surfing he's been doing <laughs> instead of wrestling. So this shit with with Sonya Deville has been getting ridiculous as far as her and Naomi. Uh, now Baszler's like her heavy, and she beat her last time, uh, and she won't get in the ring with her. And now she made her go in another match specifically against Shayna Baszler and was the referee and then basically screwed her over, did a fast count, and then Baszler choked out Naomi with, I don't care about this fucking feud. Send Naomi heel and make her get with the fucking bloodline. It makes a lot of sense. Because then they have a female member. I don't... What the fuck is this? Sonya Deville, like... Why why does she have a problem with Naomi? It's just not making sense to me at all, Chris. I have no clue. I heated the storyline going back to when Naomi can't get a wrestling match. Which is what this is built off of, right? I mean, it comes off kind of fucking racist a little bit. Is, isn't the entire isn't the storyline like Naomi has been trying to get a wrestling match for weeks and weeks and weeks and she finally gets one and Sonya Deville's like all right here you go yeah and Sonya keeps on fucking her over and then ducking and dodging having an actual match with her and saying that she's not good enough when Sonya's never won anything and I believe it's the next fucking women's champion like it makes I don't know what the fuck this is yeah, I agree. It'd be cool if she was part of the bloodline. And also, Shayna Baszler. So they have her lose the fucking Queens of the Ring, and then she comes over to SmackDown, and she's now Sonya Deville's heavy. Yeah, who did she lose to? She lose, Was she the one that lost to Dewdrop? Dewdrop. Yep. Uh-huh. Who got beaten three minutes by <laughs> Zelina Vega twice. So sick booking, WWE. Fucking stupid. After she destroyed, like, everyone, put two people out. Um, whatever. New Day, Usos. Uh, awesome tag match. These guys have incredible chemistry. The New Day end up defeating the Usos, so I think they're going to work that into them, uh, obviously wanting a title match, So, but it was non-title. But, I mean, like we said, I, I don't know, tag team-wise, there's not a lot of them have, have this good of chemistry. Especially, and I love Big E, but when you have the two smaller guys, they just flow better with um the Uso brothers and uh good stuff and uh looks like this is gonna bleed into the next pay-per-view. I wonder what, since he wasn't there last night, what Roman Reigns is gonna think about the Usos losing to the New Day. Because if this builds a survivor series, there's still a good chance that Roman might be going against Big E at there. And they can still keep this as the title match separate from the brand versus brand if that's what they're going to do i don't know if they are but if you have biggie versus roman and then this this match i think that's that could be a lot of fun wouldn't it be hilarious if uh roman picks the new day as his partners in survivor series instead of the usos as punishment (laughs) for losing yeah (laughs) yeah that would be interesting for sure uh, they won't do that, but that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm sure this was a great match. Uh, without Roman Reigns being on the show, I'm kind of curious on how this did. Oh, there was a funny interview. So Kayla's, uh, whatchamacall, Paul Heyman's in the back, acting all Paul Heyman-ish and checking something on his phone. And then Kayla asks, like, you know, so how does Brock feel about the fact that he got uh, suspended? And, uh, you know, 
he, he's trying to blow blow her off and stuff like that. And then he starts getting aggravated about the fact that Brock got suspended and starts cutting kind of a promo of how he thinks Brock feels about the management there and then stops himself and shakes his head a little bit. And then like, she's smiling, looking at him and he's like, you know, just mutters something and like walks off. So we're still playing with the concept that he might be, you know, still the advocate for Brock Lesnar, Chris. It's great. Paul's great. So I'm assuming that that interaction was amazing. I'm definitely going to go watch that in this Usos tag match after we get off the phone today. But uh, when this was happening, to be fair, I was watching the Braves in the World Series, which is why this was on FS1. Yep. So um, you were watching Fox, though, technically. Yeah, I was technically watching Fox for for Fox viewership. Um, I I love is it what what's who who is Heyman been interacting with? I can't. It, Kate was it Kayla? Kayla, yeah, her her and uh, him and Kayla have been great together. It's like Paul saw it was happening with Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker, and he was like, "What if I did that?" <laughs> Seriously, uh, because that is kind of their weird relationship. Not not as weird as like Shivani's and Brits, but kind of on the same page. They are doing this weird odd couple where she annoys him and Paul eventually ends up s- spilling his guts a little bit. So that's been fun. Um, exciting. If you want to do something fun for Survivor Series, definitely Roman wanting to show out for his brand and picking the new day as opposed to the usos to prove a point or to punish them or something that could be really really fun that's such a fun idea i love it all right let's get through three matches from last night on rampage i definitely want to talk about the first one and we were kind of alluding to some of the stuff that happened afterwards but brian danielson eddie kingston these guys I always say that these guys beat the living shit out of each other, but especially Kingston. He said, Walter has some of the hardest chops in the industry. Hold my beer. My God, Brian Danielson's chest didn't even look like fucking hamburger. It just looked like straight, like muscle with the fucking skin off of it. Like it was, he was destroyed from Eddie's chops. And it was Eddie's chops versus uh, Daniel Bryan's kicks. And they're both good at different aspects of, of, of uh, you know, uh, suplexes. Obviously, Eddie goes to more of the All Japan stuff, while, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan has some of that, that Bret Hart, you know, th- those guys, uh, Chris Benoit, that style. And when you have the two clash and the fact that Eddie's pissed about what Brian Danielson said and what Brian Danielson's pissed about what Eddie said, it was aggressive. Um, I mean, Eddie's a really good fucking wrestler, man. It's really hard, especially like when the audience starts booing Brian Danielson at one point. It reminded me because I've been watching Chris lately. Um, I've been watching. I'll watch a or fall asleep, I should say, to a couple nitros and then a couple raws. So I'll keep up with the storylines. And now I'm in like the, the end of 98, early 99. And Bret Hart had a match against Diamond Dallas Page on Nitro. This is when DDP, I think, just lost the championship that he won beating Ric Flair in that four-way with him staying Hogan and Ric Flair. And Diamond Dallas Page one of the biggest baby faces that time period. And Brett's beloved, and, you know, obviously he had 
that whatever happened with Survivor Series and fucked over by WWE, but he's still kind of a WWE guy. And he started, he was still babyface. He hadn't joined the NWO yet. Um, he started getting fucking booed for fucking with the, the proclaimed WCW guy and Dom Dallas Page. And I, I, it was kind of similar at one point. Brian Danielson was getting booed, and that's because people love fucking Eddie Kingston. But he tried to get him in May submissions, you know, at, at one part. Uh, Eddie powerbombed out of one of them, but then he got him in an arm bar, and we've got this whole Brian Danielson, very much like Dean Malenko, is beating with different submissions every single time. He's also got the uh, the uh, running, you know, kick, but he's been winning with different submissions, cattle mutilation, you know, just diff- different ones. And this he had him in an arm bar, and before Eddie passes out, he almost gets him up and almost slams him, but he can't. And then he's flicking off Brian Danielson as he passes out. And, you know, they're both on the ground, just destroyed. Uh, afterwards, Brian Danielson tries to go and shake his hand. He won't. He fucking storms off. And then while CM Punk's having an interview, you know, you hear this this fucking guy cussing and shit like that. And I think that they do, they were just like, Eddie, run with it. They have a little bit of delay, and they just knew that he was going to be cursing because they got every F word, and that was obviously directly after the match. He was still, like, sweated and shit like that. And so he went after Punk and says, I know you, you know, don't talk shit, blah, 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 blah. And they had to get fucking pulled away, and CM Punk's saying, like, you know, you're disappointing me. Like, what the, why are you acting like this? This isn't how you act after losing a match. And Eddie wasn't hearing any of it, so we're going to get, it seems like, Punk, Kingston, probably built for full gear which should be fucking awesome but i loved all this 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 whole beginning was one of my favorite parts in professional wrestling this last week i would say it was a phenomenal match sucks eddie kingston lost but they put him in a match where he was gonna lose i'm not surprised the fans are behind him man they've been behind him since the moxley feud you built him as the person saving moxley from a giant bomb (laughs) <laughs> so you made him a baby face his promos are something that i think a lot of i don't i want to say blue collar people and and you know, the dusty roads effect it's going to be really hard to cheer against eddie kingston especially when you keep giving him losses like he lost a miro unfairly um he just he's never really gotten a title shot so to speak of like, was Moxley champion when he had that match? I don't think he was. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. So it's, I, you know, in the building, I think there's going to be more AEW fans of Eddie Kingston than they are Brian Danielson. Maybe not across the board, but you've been watching this guy on the product grow in front of you and cut these great promos and constantly get kind of fucked over and bringing out all his personal demons etc he's a guy that's kind of relatable i hope they don't turn him heel which seems no. like that's where they're going but i don't know that it's gonna work for him um it was a good match it was weird to hear brian danielson get booed because i don't think that i've heard that in a very 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 long time like, it was short amount of time, but still, he legitimately got booed when he was getting the advantage. And I love that ending sequence, by the way. Or not the ending sequence. Before that, where they were both trading strikes, and then 
Brian Danielson does the rolling elbow, knocks Eddie. Eddie comes back and does the fucking spinning back fist and knocks Brian Danielson on the ground. Eddie falls on his ass. Eddie's a great seller. He really is. He looks like he gets knocked the fuck out, and he's great at, like, stumbling around. Yeah, and like you said, the arm bar with him flipping him off is very shades of, like, a Terry Funk, Stone Cold Steve Austin-ass thing to do. Which is, I think, what endears you. This guy, he knows he's losing the match, and he's still like, I'm going to fight until my very last breath. Which is the same thing that they did in the Moxley match, which is what makes Eddie Kingston Eddie Kingston. That's also the thing that makes him really hard. It makes it really hard for him to be a heel. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one because I don't know who you have lined up next for Brian Danielson. He lost to Kenny twice, so he's not going for the title. That's going to be Hangman. Uh, how do you set up whatever Brian Danielson's next thing is? Is he just going to run through different hmm. people on the roster? Yeah, because, all right, so let's think about this. You obviously have Hangman and it, the matches that seem like they'll probably be at full gear or at least around it right now with the feuds. You have Kenny and Hangman. You have what looks like Jungle Boy and uh, and Adam Cole. It looks like they're going to have something. This is non-tag, so this is singles. Um, we just talked about a couple of ones that seem like they got set up. I don't know if they're going to do, like we said, Pac and Cody versus Malachi and uh andrade but i could see something like that uh eddie kingston's gonna be probably going against cm punk i don't know what brian danielson does you have oh yeah that's right this tournament so it looks like he'll probably be him and john moxley in the finals because that's definitely a match that they said the finals are going to be at full gear so oh he's yeah going. that's right there's that was this was a tournament match i forgot about that so me too Moxley's so got to be Cassidy next week. And then if it's either Cassidy or Moxley against Brian Danielson at full gear. Dude, Cassidy, if he gets Brian Daniels, I want that match because the Cassidy spot where he puts the, like Danielson's down on his knees and he does the yes kicks, but he just does the orange Cassidy kicks. That'd be oh my hilarious. That comedy spot is not worth fucking. <laughs> God damn it, Chris! Oh. You know, you know it'd be so great. He it like would be lights great. up really hard. He's like, uh, yes. Jesus Christ! And like I, I Danielson's just looking at him with a frown. Yeah, I think Moxley's turning full, full fucking heel. So he he might lose by his own. They did. They're Delicious. not gonna. Do- UQ or anything, but he might lose because he gets over intense and Orange Cassidy hits him with that roll-up finish that Orange Cassidy has, which is how he beat Jericho the first time. Remember, Jericho got overconfident, was beating the shit out of Orange Cassidy, and then he just hits that roll-up finish that he has. Can't remember what the hell it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where he locks it at the end with his leg. I forgot what the fuck that's called. But, I mean, he could do that, and Moxley is going to be pissed, but, like, What's he going to do? Beat him down afterwards? And then, I mean, I still think Brian Danielson versus versus Orange Cassidy is more interesting than him versus Moxley because we've seen it. Yeah. You know, you know like. No, I'm still I'm still for Moxley versus Danielson, but I understand what you're saying. But, um, you know, but I, I would love to see what if instead we got Orange Cassidy versus Danhausen. That'd be fun. 
they were a tag team recently, right? On Jericho's cruise. That was an awesome picture. So <laughs> they, I forgot what the name of the group was, but they were this own, their own faction for a four on four. And it was Chris Jericho, Will Ospreay, Dan Housen, and Orange Cassidy, all with sunglasses on. <laughs> and Jericho was dressed as Orange Cassidy, which was yeah, yeah, that that's even better. Fucking, fucking great. Um, I don't know Cassidy versus Daniel Bryan or the American Dragon. That's just how I'm going to refer to him from now on as the American Dragon. So don't keep switching his name. Uh, that should be that'd be really great. Getting to see the American Dragon go back to some of his lucha roots, some Owen Hart spots in there. Those two, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean him. Him versus Moxley will be fun, but if Moxley's going full heel, he doesn't really. There's no setup for him in this tournament. There's a lot of heels already chasing the belt. Who does Mox go against? Uh, at 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 uh, what you call full gear? Malachi? He's gotta have a match. <sighs> That'd be fun. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know anyone. <laughs> He's. Or he doesn't have to have it. Why does Moxley have to have a match? Could be just like annihilating people in the back, like Brock Lesnar style, and all of a sudden comes to the ring, cuts a promo, and fucking Bray Wyatt makes the lights go on. Or what if he, him. What if he like attacks Tony Khan? And he's like, I got next on whoever wins Orange Cassidy versus the American Dragon. <laughs> Jesus. Or something like I, I mean, if he's gonna turn, if he's gonna turn heel. I'm excited about the prospect of a Moxley heel, by the way, because you smell like the inside of my mom's purse, Dane. Yep, old school uh, John Moxley from CZW days. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But this, is, I feel like Moxley's probably going to advance. You think there's a possibility that Orange Cassidy does? We'll have to see what happens. I could see it either way, but Brian Danielson is in that that last match, no matter what. So we'll have to see where they go with that. Yeah, um, I mean the the thing with the thing with Moxley versus Brian Danielson is do you Danielson's going to win that match and it sets him back up for another title match against Hangman, I guess. Yeah, but do you want Orange Cassidy to beat fucking Brian Danielson get a title match against? You do want that, don't you? No, I don't want that. But I just <laughs> with <laughs> well, here's the thing though. Well, no, because that means that if 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 Brian Danielson wins, that makes me think that fucking Hangman's gonna lose. Because why would you not set up him and Kenny for the title? That's a loophole to get him around not having uh, enough rack wins. Too, he wins the fucking tournament. He gets the well, title shot. I mean, that's the problem. Is Hangman has to win here? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, so. but if Moxley or or Orange Cassidy wins. That's kind of weird either way, too. I don't know. It's going to be interesting which way they go. I mean, if Moxley turns full heel and destroys Orange Cassidy the week after or something. Well, there's not a week after. Never mind. Yeah, this is a weird for me. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's Moxley versus Hangman? Moxley versus Brian? A heel, a heel Moxley versus a Hangman page for his first opponent winning the title sounds kind of interesting. I'm not going to well, lie. Uh, but that means that Moxley has to win the entire thing. So yeah, he's got to beat Orange Cassidy, and he's got to beat Brian. Which means Brian's taking his first loss. So, but if it's if it's a first loss to John Moxley at the fucking pay per view, that's not that bad. 
Because well, then no, it can go back his, to him and Kenny. His first loss because he's lost to Kenny. So that's true. Well, no, remember, that was a, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, wasn't that a time limit draw? They fought twice, though. Have they? My my memory is not fucking think, worked today. I think uh, I think Hang, I think that he got beat with that uh, top rope uh, one winged angel, right? I think that was, was Christian, wasn't it? Maybe it was Christian. I don't okay. remember. Well, my, I don't know. My brain's mush right now. I, Let's I get do to know. The... I do know that it you got to put the title on Hangman to me, but whatever. One because Kenny needs rehab time in general. <laughs> and two, you've been t- teasing us Hangman for two years. So, yeah, we want it. We want it. He he was the most over person on Dynamite, including Brian and uh, Punk and Omega, etc. He had the biggest pop at the entire night. He's the most over with that fan base. Agreed. All right, so Deontay Martin, him and Leo Rush have been working together. Leo's trying to fine-tune him. Matt Seidel took him under his wing after... Uh, Matt beat him and he was trying to teach him stuff until Leo came in and thwarted that. So we had two of them going because now Dante's beaten Matt Seidel once. This was the rubber match. Um, And once again, these guys really work great together. Matt Seidel is great as a person that is putting the other person over the, you know, um, but in like more of a high flyer sense, I would say, because he's able to do stuff with his body. But Deontay Martin, man, Holy shit. That one thing that he did in the corner where Matt, where they were back-to-back and Matt Seidel grabbed his arms and it looked like he was just going to, like, you know, use the turnbuckles to spring off of. And what the fuck did he end up doing to him? It was – I mean, I think Chris Jericho said it. He's so innovative. Like, it was crazy shit uh, like that, that. That was just – it's just impressive. And the height that he gets in the air for airtime, either way – uh, he finally, uh, you know, first hit a flip into a cutter and then got the double springboard where he goes off the middle rope, jumping onto the other corner side onto the top rope into a moonsault, hooked the legs and won. And uh, yeah, I thought this was an excellent match. Um, I think having anyone uh, talk for him is a good thing. But I think that when it comes to in-ring stuff, for being like as young as he is, he's like 19, 20 years old. Dante Martin. Very impressive, Chris. I would say future star. Yeah. I I think he's been great. He's been one of the highlights of the younger generation they're trying to get over, for me at least. This was a really good match. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, man. Um, Really good uh, three sets of matches, too, between uh, him and uh, Matt Seidel. All right, so I love this part, Chris. Mark Henry can come back to the fucking announce table. I don't know why they took him off it, but these backstage things, the way he no-sells. So he's he's introducing Abaddon, Britt Baker. He, he talks to Britt Baker, she talks a bunch of shit. And then he asks a question to Abaddon, and Abaddon's reaction is just spitting blood out. And all of a sudden it goes back to Mark Henry, and he's like, okay, well, I think that's all that Abaddon has to say because she just spit blood out of her mouth. And that goes to her and her two girls who are both dressed as zombies, like freak the fuck out, like, uh, all right. So they, you know, talked a little more shit. She's like, I got these two girls. This is a street fight. It's going to be no problem for DMD. And Mark Henry was like, it goes back to Abaddon. She's gone. And Mark Henry was like, well, it seems like Abaddon is uh, gone now. They're like, what do you mean? What do you mean she's gone? Like, I thought it was so funny setting this up. 
and the match itself was fine. Uh, Abaddon, she's getting better. She's good at being scary. She's just a little bit green in the ring. She's lost a shit ton of weight, and good for her for doing that. She was uh, uh, kind of putting that over on Twitter not too long ago. She looks scary as shit and uh, got a little bit of color. But finally, when she got the, I like how she went for the lockjaw, and um, whatchamacallit, Abaddon started actually biting her. And then Hater and Rebel interfered. Baker rolled her up uh, on the tax. Yes, there were thumbtacks. Fuck. And then she got the win. I thought this was a fun match. Definitely Abaddon's best showing, I would say. And I just loved how she, how DMD was freaked out beforehand and throughout this match. And uh, Abaddon just is a is a good zombie, Chris. I would say. Mark Henry's goddamn hilarious. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, yeah, did you did you notice the part where <laughs> Britt Baker says she's got her tricks on her side? Yeah. <laughs> and the way the other two sold it was so great. Jamie Hayter and, and Rebby. <laughs> Dressed as zombies. It was hilarious. She's like, oh, you want to do extreme rules? Well, I got some tricks on my side. It's pretty funny. Um, good match. Definitely, like you said, I think this was Abaddon's best showing. I'm not a big Abaddon. I, like, it's just not scary to me. It's not, like, as effective as, like, Su Young. Yeah, Su Young's um, fucking scary. Or who was the former member of Decay? I'm trying to think of her name. Rosemary. Rosemary. Yeah, it, it, just, it just seems more like makeup and contacts than an actual I still thing. think... I still think it was so funny when Mark Henry sends it to her and she's like, <laughs> and she just pukes up some blood. Mark Henry's like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, I mean, that was just Mark Henry being great. <laughs> uh, had me rolling, man. I like that that did not terrify him at all. He was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Back over I fought you. The Undertaker. <laughs> He's like, you ever thrown lightning at a man? Because I fought a guy that did one time. That's funny as shit. Yeah, it was it, it was definitely I think her best, at least her best match on television. Because I I don't watch all of Dark. I know she's had matches on Dark and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. I, the biting on the mandible claw, which I mean the lockjaw is it's a cross face with the mandible claw, right? Yep. The whole point of the mandible claw is that your face is immobile. So they should have sold that she didn't get it all the way locked in. Yeah, that's true. Would be my only thing, because then everyone that gets put in it would just bite your hand. Yeah. Something that was creative, though. I think that was actually pretty funny. And she had to get a roll-up. Another roll-up. Why do we have so many damn roll-ups, Chris? There's I don't great... mind it when it's like a signature roll-up, like, like Orange Cassidy and like Darby have, but... Jesus it's, Christ. It's still too many roll-ups in wrestling right now. And and most of them aren't that creative. Outside of maybe the Sheeta and Deeps match, that roll-up was was fine. Yeah. But uh the do you ever do you ever see that match where it was like Ric Flair versus Sting? And this is kind of a one-off where Ric Flair has Sting in the figure four and uh Ric Flair's holding the ropes. And Sting looks at him holding the ropes, and he just grabs Ric Flair's boot and bites his boot. 
No. <laughs> what the fuck would that do? Was Rick selling it like he was getting bit by a fucking pit bull? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sting like hits his chest like twice, like he's hulking up, and then he just grabs Ric Flair's foot and bites the hell out of it. I've been looking Jesus for Christ. it for years. I mean, it was like on a random, like it was like a tag match or something, but it was like one of the funniest ways I've ever seen someone get out of the figure four. Because, like, the ref's clearly got his back turned. Rick's holding the ropes, the top rope with his hands. He's really locking this thing on. Sting just grabs his foot and just bites down on his wrestling boot as hard as he can. And you know Rick, he sells it like a bazillion dollars. Um, Best way to escape the figure four, bite the other person's wrestling boot as hard as you can. Because those things are flat on the bottom. You know, old school wrestling boots. Now they're wearing tennis shoes and stuff. It'll be harder, but. <laughs> Jesus. It's it really funny. Well, that's all you guys got to do is bite him on the boot. Or don't bite his shoe at all because that's kind of weird. But anyways, that was the end of this episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We have talked for far too long about a array of topics and we hope you guys enjoyed it whether you're a new listener or an old listener all the old listeners thank you guys so much new listeners you can find us on pretty much any downloadable platform whether it be spotify uh you know uh itunes whatever just search wrestling geeks alliance you'll find us listen to us every week we usually record on saturdays have the shows out by sundays or mondays chris say any plugs or anything you want to the lovely people out there and say good night and happy halloween Hey, uh, I don't really have any big plugs this week. Uh, we do have some Skates Throats episodes coming up soon. The season has started back. We're going to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks sex scandal, which will be fun. Oh! Um, <laughs> so if you're a hockey fan, tune in for that. That's coming up. And outside of that, nothing for me, man. Everyone enjoy Halloween. Uh, don't get too crazy out there. Uh, don't dress too slutty. And uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm going to see the cast of Creatures tonight. That should be fun. And I'm uh, going to watch probably Halloween 1, 2 tomorrow, and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2 tomorrow, and then follow it up with a Shining as I give out you know, treats to the kids. So everyone have a happy Halloween. Oh, sorry. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah, I actually watched all those movies in the last like week. That's funny that you mentioned all of them. Um yeah, last damn two weeks. You. Damn you, Dane Elves. <laughs> <sighs> you know, I do what I can. I do what I can. But anyways, if you guys want to talk to me, find me on Facebook at Dane Elves, or you can go on Twitter, Dane Elves 42 Send me a message. Let's have a conversation. You guys have a great Halloween. Thank you guys so much for everything. Keep on listening, and let the Wrestling Geeks live. <laughs> I'm like John Cena when he first came on the scene. Let the (laughs) Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. Peace out, guys. And happy Halloween! Let's go. Let's go, Braves. Go, Bravos. Go, Braves. Yeah.